0: On the ground
1: I'd make my nest stand My pretty ones How is it November 9th already? Never, <laughs> it's Tuesday morning, you're down. tuned into Real Talk we're, we're having a team so discussion And all of a sudden we just decided that it, I'm sorry, it, 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 we have to hit pause on this And we're just going to spill the conversation Um It's not, a, I don't think it's a debate yet We're just teeing up A conversation on, on, on French language proficiency in Canada Of course this prompted Uh, By uh, Air Canada's CEO And now Christian Freeland Deputy Prime Minister Commenting on whether or not The CEO of Air Canada Should be proficient in in French And there's a lot to get to But of course uh, We kick off every show By reminding you That the team at Bitcoin Well Is our presenting sponsor They're Canada's They think they might be The world's first Ever publicly traded Bitcoin ATM company And last night uh, It was my pleasure It was an honor To be in attendance At Edify Magazine's Top 40 under 40 in Edmonton celebration And how cool was it to see Bitcoin Wells founding CEO A friend of mine, Adam O'Brien Walk across that stage It was neat to hear them uh, Describe his career and, and what he's doing I know people In the tech space and people in, in industry And uh, they use the word Disruptor a lot and, and maybe some people start to roll their eyes Oh, everyone's a disruptor these days This guy's legit fascinating fella. You can check out what he and his team are doing at Bitcoin Well under the sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com.
2: Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
1: We've got an amazing show in store. Uh, Larry Werner's going to join us in about, uh, well, we'll call it about 10 minutes time. He's uh, a former producer, longtime producer of Big Valley Jamboree, which is uh, a huge... Uh, I think you can say an institutional celebration of country music in central Alberta, in our home province. Everybody's paying attention to this horrific story. Uh, Travis Scott, uh, a, a musician, a performer, uh, hip hop artist uh, over the weekend, a huge show called World. You've probably heard of this, like 50,000 people in attendance. Uh, disaster struck and disaster kind of struck over, over a slow period of time. There was evidence, there were rumors that people were being uh, crushed and People were, uh, you know, sort of being pressed up against fence and gates, and 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 even some uh, wild reports of people being injected without their knowledge with drugs in the crowd, and uh, a security guard claiming he was pricked in the neck and then passed out, brought back with naloxone, which is what they use to treat drug poisoning, to treat overdoses. I mean, this is just a, a wild story. What happened at Astro World? A bunch of people were killed. Eight. People killed more than 25 people, also uh, taken to hospital, 300 treated at the scene for injuries. Uh, a young man, uh, 14 years of age, among those that lost their lives. So, Larry has some unfortunate experience. Uh, you probably remember back in 2003. Uh, that big uh, pardon me 2009 uh, that big stage collapse these really high winds roared through that site near Camrose Alberta and and big heavy speakers came crashing down Um, a single mom 35 year old Donna Moore was killed and Larry has agreed to talk to us about, about what happens and how you respond in a situation like that. And, and, of course, a lot of this is going to be speculative. I spoke with Larry before. He said, listen, I can't come on here and tell you what happened at Astroworld. I can't tell you what's going to happen with uh, what's expected to be dozens of lawsuits. Uh, but he's got a perspective that not many people have when it comes to big concert production and crisis management. And I'm excited that Sarah Hoyles has, has grabbed him. and And then we've got the subject of what i think might prove to be one of our most watched interviews of all time the hype after hoyles you from our official account yesterday at real talk rj announced that dr Glaucum flecken was going to join us star of tiktok star of social media an ophthalmologist and comedian uh it just went nuts the mentions went nuts have you ever seen anything like it? Uh, not in the history of Real Talk, never. I've never
3: posted like a Because every day we try to post, you know, coming up tomorrow. Yeah. Give a little taste, a little sampling, a, a little up. tease. And when I did that, right now we're sitting at 557 likes on Which just a, a promo tweet. Like
1: 50 is pretty good. For a promo tweet, if 50 people are like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. i can spread the word. We're like, oh, that's good. Because the interview hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. Uh, but this guy, I think as a uh, as a comedian... But also as a physician, uh, has has certainly earned this massive following. I mean, he's got like hundreds of th- like millions of views of his content. But it's 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 educational as well. Sometimes, sometimes it's just pure comedy.
3: Absolutely. I mean, he just he's he's tongue in cheek. He takes what's happening in the hospital, in the medical world, in the medical profession, and then you know tweaks it and uh, pokes fun at it. So it's 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 refreshing. And informative,
1: including his uh, his take on the nurse. You remember the nurse out of the states that was like being walked out of the hospital she worked at because she wouldn't get the vaccine, and she's doing the like selfie sort of point of view. And she's walking out. She's like, "I am currently being escorted out of the out of the hospital for my religious rights and this kind of a thing." And uh, and I just uh, I, his take on it. We're going to play it a little bit later on in the show. I think was was pretty funny. We're going to read some emails today. I mentioned one from Michael yesterday about accents, uh, which is a, a bit of a an Interesting segue into what we were just—we were debating, but we were discussing the content coming up on our show, on future shows. Sarah's always working on that stuff behind the scenes, and we can't ignore this story. Now that the Canada's Deputy Prime Minister, christia Freeland, has said on the record, uh, learning to speak French should become part of Air Canada CEO Michael Russo's performance review. Uh, the deputy prime minister now, uh, per the words in the Globe and Mail, wading into an uproar over his inability to speak the language uh, TLDR. Uh, basically, here's what happened. This guy said, listen, I lived in Montreal for 14 years and, and I don't really have to speak French. I haven't had to learn how to speak French. This was in a presentation. And a lot of Air Canada shareholders are, are upset. A lot of French Canadians. And I don't think just Francophones. I think I think some a lot of Canadians are upset. Others are going, why the hell should you have to speak French? If you can be proficient in English, if you have capable and competent French speakers among you, why should you have to speak French? So we were participating in this debate, and and for the first time, as we get to know each other as team members still, Sam and I coming up on a a year together, working together. Uh, Hoyles, you and I coming up, I I guess, on about seven months now, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Time has flown, right? But I've never asked the two of you before. I, I didn't know the honest answer to the question, are you proficient in French? And your answer intrigued me.
3: Well, I wish I yeah, wish I was, but I don't feel I said I grew up in Alberta and there isn't really an opportunity to I mean, yes, French immersion. And I give my parents a hard time. I rib them every single time it comes up like, why didn't you put me in French immersion? <laughs> as a kid, really did you want it?
1: As a, do you remember as a child wishing you were in French immersion?
3: I mean, in my little world, I don't think I even knew what French immersion was until I went to junior high, which was a French immersion.
1: And then it feels too late. Yeah. Then that ship
3: has so oh.
1: You know, you're, you you know, yeah, exactly. You're like, uh, I'm, I, I don't want to, you know, you're like, is this? Uh, meet your new friend, Guy Chabot. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, it's uh, Guy Chabot. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom was a French teacher. And uh, I am not currently proficient in French. I sure wish I was. There's two things in life, and I can tell you what they're... Re- I don't even have to think about. Is it what do, what do you regret in life with regards... What do you wish you would have done or kept mm. up with? French and playing the piano. Me Are, too. Is that right? Yeah. yeah.
3: My dad also grew up in Valdor, Quebec. So he is... Wow. He is okay. 100% bilingual. And... <laughs> he was like so i also bug him about that like why didn't you speak french to us And he was like bah, it would have been too much work <laughs> Dad?
1: yeah but it's it's with kids there's kids that speak they'll speak i guarantee it with real talkers i haven't really checked in on our live chat yet but i'm sure that people are already talking about this there's kids in some families that will speak one or two or three languages at home and uh it, it's it's so much easier for kids to pick things up than it is adults i don't want to right off the endeavor and suggest that you can't learn a new language as an adult because we know that's not true actually a really moving address from our city's mayor uh mayor amarjeet Sohi, at last night's event that i was at this top 40 under 40 event with edify magazine and, and he told his story briefly i hadn't heard some elements of it but he talked about coming to canada as an immigrant 18 years old not speaking the language at all and not only that he said i was totally unaware about canadian custom and to, to think about that and what that must be like to, to come to a foreign land and have no idea about the cultural context and not be proficient, in not, not just be proficient, but have, have no ability to speak the language. And then, by the way, to become the mayor of the city is pretty cool on a side note. But I want to focus the conversation back on whether or not we as Canadians should prioritize like should the CEO of Air Canada have to be bilingual and furthermore. Should the deputy prime minister? I know she is. Christy Freeland. I think speaks at least three languages. Mm. Uh, but should the should the prime minister of Canada? This was the big thing with like Preston Manning and Stephen Harper and you know all these Westerners. You'd always hear they're working on their French. They want to be able to be proficient, to be fluent, not proficient, to be fluent in French.
3: That's like Elizabeth May. She had to go and take classes so she could uh, participate.
1: So, what do you think? I mean, should the people will say Air Canada was a crown corporation? It's not now. Mm. You know, people will say that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a national company. It's called Air Canada. Um, we do the announcements on the flights in English and French. Uh, you know, I mean, f- millions of French Canadians uh, use Air Canada and fly on Canadian. Should the CEO represent the population in, in that context mm. as a bilingual nation? I'm curious to know where people will land on this. This feels like maybe time uh, for an unofficial, unscientific, real talk Twitter poll. Maybe we could, you know, should the CEO of Air Canada, I mean, you can obviously Ooh. put it together. Should the CEO of Air Canada be required to be fluent are in we both doing, French and English? Are we
3: doing yes, no, and then something else? What's yeah, the we, Yeah, else? what do you
1: think? Yes, no, or... And then we're not even talking, I mean, geez, I know you, you were making, this was right when he said, okay, we got to take this to air. You, you said something, and then I went, okay, this is, we got to go to air. <laughs> you were about to say something, I think, if I'm going to get ahead of it, I think you were saying something about indigenous languages.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, yes, the two official languages in Canada are French and English. Right. But then there was a province in the Atlantic provinces that are looking at making an indigenous language an official language. So,
1: then. And then which one?
3: Yes. Because there's there's so many nations Even when you do, and if so
1: you do a land many land acknowledgment to paint a perspective. You yes. say Treaty six or seven or eight. You say, you know, traditional home and gathering place of the and Mitty, then e- e- so Right to yeah. Sue and Salto. And like you just go, go and go and, and you realize how many different traditions there are uh, and how many different dialects and languages. Ronan says a flight attendants are required to speak both languages. The CEO sure as shit. Should have to speak both.
3: Interesting.
2: Yeah, that is a inter- very interesting that. point.
1: That's a really interesting point. Uh, James says when it comes to the public service, we seem to be far more focused on whether people have French proficiency as opposed to English proficiency. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, James. When's the last time you felt like you were underrepresented with English speakers Maybe if you lived in Quebec I know, you know For context The city of Montreal Is a very interesting one Quebec and in particular Montreal There are constant debates over whether or not there's too much English, for sure. Do you have an opinion on this, Sam? I know I should say you've been working furiously behind the scenes, uh, but I wanted to pick your brain on this one. French, I, English, the French, CEO?
3: Well,
0: yeah, because, I mean, first of all, Air Canada is not a crown corporation, but as a transportation provider, they have to give service in English and French. Yeah. Like, that is like that is their job as a provider of transportation. Um, I think that also, I cannot understand how he's lived in Montreal for 14 years and can't speak English. Even, like, it's rudimentary French. I tough like,
1: to wrap your mind around and, that.
0: And maybe, like, because to me, that's a choice. And that's a choice because every time I go to Montreal, probably my favorite city in Canada. It's amazing. I work on my French. My French is absolutely abhorrent. But I make a point of trying to have conversations with people in shops and restaurants and that kind of stuff, even in really broken French, just knowing that... It's going to eventually help me move that
1: needle ever It'll so slightly. It'll help you slightly. move the needle, yeah. And it's and it's also part of the experience. Yeah, for sure. Right, Hoyle's. You 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 your body language when <laughs> Sam said he's lived in Montreal for 14 How years he and he not- has.
3: Well, my, my grandmother because my dad grew up in Valdor, Quebec, and my grandmother, anglophone, she refused to learn French, and the town was like
1: oh. like on principle she refused.
3: I think just pure stubbornness. Yeah. We are a stubborn bunch. <laughs> the Hoyles.
1: So makes you a good producer.
3: <laughs> so yeah, to me like and then so when Sam said it was a, it's a choice. I'm like, yeah, that was her, that was her choice. I mean, I think it was a missed opportunity because yeah. if I was living there, I would have been like, oh heck yeah, I'm in the midst of it. Um but no, she didn't take it, which
1: yeah. Huh. I you know, I yeah, I just I, i i I, i'm being moved by comments that i'm reading here on the live chat i mean that one about if if flight attendants should have to speak french how i mean the ceo it's obvious i think that that kind of feels to me like you know how every once in a while one comment just kind of like ends an argument (laughs) i feel like that's what that one just did you're going to require your frontline staff like and, and ticket agents or whatever they call them at the airport these these people that that oftentimes are dealing with such stressful scenarios imagine being a ticketing agent even if everything's going great with the airline and with the flight people are still in a rush people are still kind of annoyed people are still stressed out i don't know about you but for me travel days i i do i don't i try to just kind of go into a bit of a kind of a mental cocoon and just have a a placid outside exterior On my face and just really i i I get quite quiet on travel days i try to be amicable and amiable and and nice to be around and i don't really recline my seat on the plane that much but i just kind of go into this zone and when the travel day is done then it's just like ah now we're back now we're back so the ticket agents are dealing with these folks like me Mm -hmm. um but they have to be able to if somebody comes up and and starts speaking in french they can't just be like uh sorry yeah, don't speak just sorry. One, bah, yeah. Yeah, know, and then if I go too long now It's gonna switch into Spanish, which also happens, you know I have like a sort of a kindergarten level of proficiency in both How about this email from Michael? Michael sent me an email uh, subject line accents. He says uh, hey today's best broadcast team oh, Michael you just try to get your email read. He said sidebar. I never know what to call real talk. He says, and I know you've discussed it from time to time. You're more than a podcast. That term doesn't really do real talk justice. Broadcast doesn't always work. What is the best term? I just call it a talk show. Uh, He says, but back to what I want to discuss, accents. Michael says, Ryan, on November 4th, you played Yves-Francois Blanchet, leader of the Bloc Québécois, helping the worst premier in Canada's history eat his words. This was part of our promo from Prairie Catering. It happens every Thursday. Somebody eats their words. Michael says, I wholeheartedly... Agreed with Sam that Monsieur Blanchette has an ultra smooth, buttery rich, should we play Barry White or E. Francois Blanchette to get in the mood tonight, honey, type of voice. If you're getting your wife in the mood by playing clips of E. Francois Blanchette. Anyway, Michael, I know the spirit of your comment. He says, and then Ryan did an, uh, did an impersonation with a French accent, which I don't totally remember. He says, do you remember it? Was it bad? I I kind of cringed. What did I say? You cringe a couple times a show. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's not that's, a good
3: show without a couple of cringes. The
1: show's called Real Talk. If you were like, I show up in slippers and just relax for two hours. Well, he, he just, his dulcet tones sift through the stories of the day. People would be like, that sounds like the lamest show I've ever heard of in my life. You do cringe a couple times a show. What did I say? Do you remember? If you could do it in the accent, that would be great.
3: No, I refuse to do it in the accent. Because I feel like if I were to do that in, um, like if it was someone of like, uh, Chinese origin.
1: Well, so here back to Michael's email. Yeah, <laughs> he says serious question that I've been asking friends and family for a while now. He says, "Is it, uh, is it politically correct or socially acceptable to do what Ryan did?" Michael says, "I really want to know." He says, "Confession when I when I read my kids rock carriers." And, and again, is it Roche Carrier? Like, I don't know. I apologize. I don't know the author. But he said the book is called The Hockey Sweater. Michael says, I do a French accent, just like the National Film Board, the NFB short film of my childhood, The Hockey Sweater. Is that allowed? He says, is, is it all right to do Caucasian accents like French, Cockney, Scottish, Italian, Russian, he says, like, southern states like Kentucky or Alabama or Cajun or Nufi or Afrikaans. He says, I know it's not okay, I don't think, to do some sort of, like, a Jewish accent like Krusty's father. Everybody knows yeah. Krusty the Clown. He says, First Nations accents, South Asian accents, Chinese, Greek, Arabic, He says, which admittedly is way too generalized. What about those accents? Michael says, I think if you do it in a mocking way, it's no bueno. It's not good. But if you do it without any condescension or scorn, it should be just fine. Michael says, I know that you three will do justice to this question. So please discuss and let me and everybody else know from loyal listener, supporter and promoter, Michael. I love the email. I'm putting it in the hopper for the Real Talk email of the month. Uh, we will be awarding a mug to be delivered at no cost to the winner.
3: We need like a sound effect for when it goes into the um, oh into
1: the hopper. Into the hopper. And then we also need a sound effect like a paper shredder for the emails that are just... <laughs> zzz. yeah. yeah. Zzz. Although I used to love... You guys know Jim... Oh, and I won't get too off track. You guys know Jim Rome... You guys know who that is nope. uh, you know big sports it's yeah he's like sports radio guy from way back in the day is still doing a show still does a great job actually but this would be like he he, he would be amazing with sound because a lot of his stuff wasn't televised or wasn't on camera and so he'd be reading emails and then and then he, he would just for a second it would be obvious he was reading something to himself because he'd pause and this was the classic Jim Rome move so he'd be like and that's a great email from Michael all right here's another one I'm not reading that (laughs) and he was just so great at it so which which accents can you do and which ones can't you do and and this is to be clear not me being like what can you even say anymore you can't even say anything anymore uh but in all seriousness when is it cool and when is it not cool I'd be curious to know what real talkers think about this Like if I, you know, Kim says it really ticks me off that broadcasts that are offered in uh, English and French in Alberta have the French translator speak over with English. We need both. Penny says all of my accents, if I try to do them, kind of end up sounding a little bit like a blend of Irish and Indian. And I'm just so bad that I don't bother tanya says my 13 year old son loves playing with accents and it's a bit of a conversation every time about respect but says tanya but yeah irish versus indian lands differently i mean you talk about the simpsons and apu right at the quickie mart and there has been very important debate and good debate about whether or not that character was appropriate offensive and ultimately, I think it was the fact that if I remember correctly, was it Hank Azaria that voiced Pooh. Like, I don't think it was an Indian actor for starters. Yeah, it, was. it was. Yeah. And, and they uh, but they eventually phased out that character right on The yeah. Simpsons. So that's like the evolution of culture. I mean, keep in mind, Simpsons has run for like 30 years. Uh, Don't so say what was that. It? I know right? I remember back in the day, what well, Cowabunga, dude, and like the T-shirts with yeah. Bart Simpson when I was like twelve years old, getting these T-shirts. And Bart now, man yeah, Bartman, yeah, and then and then they changed the series to be not, it wasn't about Bart, it became about Homer, oh, and then well, it was yeah. just way better.
3: So there's also the movie, like long, even way before that, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay, and there is a white actor that plays uh, a Chinese gentleman. Yeah, and it's like it is awful.
1: Yeah, that doesn't really fly anymore. So I, I, except I think, for maybe, was it not Tropic Thunder? What was the movie with Robert Downey Jr.?
3: Wasn't that Tropic?
1: Was it called Tropic Thunder? Maybe I, I think, think so. so. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So to me, I'm kind of like those things. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want to even <laughs> evoke, uh D- Dave Chappelle, but the idea is is that you know comedy. It it does have to mature and it oh, mature is not the mm-hmm. right word. It has to it has to change and and evolve. Um, and yeah, not all I mean, there's a really great discussion around like, can comedy does it have a long lifespan? Probably. Some people say no, there's not there are not timeless jokes. There aren't. Well, and some people will say, yes, there are.
1: And, and then people will also argue that comedy should make you feel uncomfortable. And that and I'm not saying that people should intentionally offend, but we'll see how Oh man, do I even want to get in here? I mean, you mentioned Dave Chappelle and his comment. Uh, his comments. Uh, I, I I finally watched that special. I thought that it was like he he made a couple of, uh, he sort of invoked a couple slurs or made a couple slanderous comments toward the trans community. It was like he goes on for like twenty minutes. It was quite a thing. It was it was it was. I was I was I was kind of like okay, I can see why people are upset. At the same time, Dave Chappelle is an incredibly popular comedian, and he wouldn't be headlining big, huge Netflix contracts if millions of people didn't watch his stuff. Now, that doesn't mean it's okay to hate on trans people, obviously, but I'm just saying people look at comedians and treat comedians a little bit differently with regards to what is sacred in the realm of public commentary. If you're Dave Chappelle, it's different than if you're Joe Biden with regards to what you can say behind a podium. Right, and comedy has always been irreverent and offensive, but sometimes comedy hits that line, and the line is drawn. Like Michael Richards, Kramer from Seinfeld, when he just went off, and and uttered these horribly racist comments, and they were obviously off script. Like he was just he just lost his.
3: Well, he was getting heckled, and and he and he he, just went at the guy. And a person I actually had an exchange with somebody being like, "Well, he was being he was being like pestered, and he was," and I was like. I have been pestered. I have, I have, you know, not. people don't always agree with me, and I don't feel the need to say racial slurs. Like, that's never happened to me. That's yeah. not an excuse. That's not a reason to do that.
1: Back to Michael's email, if I'm going to say, like, if, if I say hypothetically... Um, I show up to a charity golf tournament And they assign me to a foursome and it turns out That they're all Newfoundlanders and they've come to Alberta to work and they're making great Contributions out here and we're going to be Great friends by the end of the, of the 18 holes and, and about halfway through and we're having a great Time we're having beers and I just go boys!" And sort of like trying to sort of like you know Throw it, like a little bit of like a little love to the East coast and start of. It, and it's, it's already Now sounding like Irish and messed up And but like in the spirit of Alright boys like that sort of a, like Is that is that to be treated the same same as and I'm not going to do it and isn't that interesting that I'll do this Uh but I will not be oh and I show up with four people from China or four four people from Punjab province and then that would be a non-starter so
3: that to me that would
1: get me on the front page of the newspaper so what's the difference is it that it's a Caucasian accent is it that it's like what's the difference Let's also note that this is, and Sam's troubleshooting behind the scenes, so it's just you and I, um, but let's note that it's like also three white people in a room having the conversation about what's acceptable, but we're doing it in the spirit of of understanding, I think.
3: But we are the, yes, I agree with you that, yeah, there, there are three white folk here, <laughs> um, but I would say that- Even if
1: you don't agree with me, there are still three white folks <laughs> here.
3: Touche. Uh, but the idea of- that we are the um, voice that's usually the one that's heard from and gets to like say what's what. So we are the ones that need to be educated and to actually have these thoughts and I agree with these you. conversations.
1: This is why Michael's email is now in the hopper. I'm not going to declare it the email of the month because it's only the ninth day of the month. But Michael, I appreciate that. And thanks for getting us thinking. You know what's the mark of a great email? it's going to spur other emails to talk at ryanjesperson.com and i'm already looking forward to hearing what you have to say i was so lucky last night i'm not going to keep talking about it too much but just to be at the windspear center what an absolutely stunningly beautiful venue in downtown edmonton we are thrilled to be partnering with the edmonton symphony orchestra i want to direct you to windspearcenter.com they've got some wonderful concerts coming up uh Arrival Goes November 19th Alright This is a spotlight On living Female Composers uh, There will be work By Grammy nominated Composer Anna Klein Juno award winning Composer Vivian Fung it includes the WindSpear debut of the piece composed by the annual Young Composer Project winner. Every year, a student's winning piece is performed at Symphony Under the Sky. You remember we were telling you about that summer tradition a few months back? This concert will also feature poetry recited by Edmonton's brand new Poet Laureate. You can get your concert tickets for arrival November 19th right now at windspearcenter.com. But wait, there's more. The promo code REALTALK gets you 10% off all concert tickets, all symphonies at the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra's beautiful venue, the Windspear Center. We also wanted to remind you that if you're going to be heading south, if you're going to be heading somewhere warm, maybe you don't know where quite yet, all you know is you're ready. To get out of Dodge, it's that time of year. Why not choose nonstop service from Edmonton to San Diego this winter? And hey, while you're there, while you're at the airport, why not park your money in the bank by parking your car at Jet Set? If you plan ahead, 24 hours ahead or more, you can actually park at Edmonton International Airport in Jet Set's parking lot for $5 a day. That's right. The parking is back to its original location, which means the promo code REALTALK is, Gets you $5 a day parking, five bucks via jetsetparking.com. They're local and you'll love them. Obviously, a tragic story at this Travis Scott concert, this massive production, Astro World, over the weekend. 50,000 people in attendance, reports of mayhem, eight people dead, including a young 14 year old teen by the name of John Hugert. Our next guest was in Camrose back in 2009. You probably remember this story. Tragedy struck the celebrated festival, Big Valley Jamboree, where a massive gust of wind blew through, collapsing the stage. Images, of course, that seared their place into concertgoers' memories, country music fans' memories and remained there for years. A 35-year-old single mother from Lloyd Minster. Uh, who had randomly been chosen to sit with others on the main stage, was killed. Her name is Donna Moore. Larry Werner was the producer of Big Valley Jamboree for 23 years, Uh, just retired from the role in September. He's produced Commonwealth country festivals, rock festivals. He was inducted into the Academy of Country Music Awards Hall of Fame. Now a consultant with Trickstar Productions. Larry, thanks so much for making time for us and a good morning to you. Good morning, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Uh, Larry. I really appreciated uh, your availability yesterday on the phone. We had a quick conversation about this. I let you know my we're not going to try to get you to assign blame or we're not going to get into the legalities of what happened back in 2009 at Big Valley Jamboree. But when we bring that up and what do you remember about that day from a very unique position, the one you're in as producer of the entire thing?
4: Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of stress goes with uh, any situation like this, and uh, when we were confronted with the windstorm, uh, it it caught everybody by unaware, really. And uh, our main focus was to to take care of the people who who were injured, and also re re restore some calm, uh, which uh, was. Hard, given the fact that uh, this was pandemonium and chaos uh, in everybody's world. So you, you, I, I suppose it, it's a
1: different scenario here. I almost want to say apples and oranges with regards to Big Valley Jamboree in, in two thousand nine, and and what happened at Astro World. Uh, the Big Valley tragedy happened in a moment, right? As as this wind gust roars through. I mean, how much advance notice did you even have? that there might be a problem i would imagine to a certain degree you would have been keeping your eye on weather reports and and things like that but but what had happened in the hours or the moments ahead of time and, and what could you have controlled or what what could you do what goes through a producer's mind in a situation
4: like that well we continually monitored the weather and we did that over the years uh, it, it was it was one of those situations where uh, there was storm activity about two and a half, three hours west of us and uh, at that point in time, it didn't appear like anything was coming our direction. However, that that didn't mean that we didn't monitor it. Uh, so with continual monitoring, uh, I got a phone call saying that there was a storm in Leduc and that we should shut the stage down and that the estimated arrival time was 30 minutes. Um, what we did was every, every evening when we did our egress out of the concert bowl, we would time the amount of time that it took for people to leave that area and we had it down to about 11 minutes without pushing anybody. So we, we knew that we could clear the concert bowl. Unfortunately, when we got the call that the storm was in Leduc, Uh, it was moving faster than we were aware or anybody under uh, Canada environment. And that storm was in fact rolling across the ground and it was, they were unable to detect it. So by the time we got the call, we had about six minutes. And from the time that I got the call, ran on the stage and shut the music down, uh, the storm was upon us.
1: Larry, this uh, story out of Houston is is just absolutely tragic. Over the weekend, eight people killed at this Astro World show. About fifty thousand people in attendance, and obviously, Houston police continue their investigation. And obviously, we're not going to ask you to, to to proclaim any sort of a blame or assign anything like that. But but Travis Scott, the the headliner, has issued a statement. Um, Essentially uh, Profusely apologizing Which goes without saying I would imagine he's acting I have uh, no reason to believe He's not sincere there But on the advice of lawyers as well um, They've talked about how everyone Will be uh, refunded for their tickets He's already offered to pay For the eight funerals Of those that were killed at the concerts All young people Age 14 to 27 I mean it's just an absolute nightmare Especially considering reports From people that are saying Ambulances were making their way in People were being treated for injuries Injuries. The concert was continuing. I mean, lawsuits already filed are, are implying that that artists like Travis Scott and Drake, the Canadian hip hop artist who was there, were inciting this type of behavior. I mean, you're a guy in the Hall of Fame for producing big shows. What goes through your mind when you hear about a story like this?
4: Well, it's, it's, it's very sad, uh, you know, like you said, eight people lost their lives. And I can imagine that the stress that is going through everybody right at this point in time down there in Florida is is insurmountable. Uh, uh, the families, uh, you know, their kids go to these shows, they expect them to come home. Uh, it's it's just the whole thing is sad, and it it just brings back all this emotion that we went through, and knowing how everybody is feeling. The security team is feeling bad. The producers are feeling bad. Definitely, the families are devastated. Uh, there's really no way to uh, to you know describe what everybody is going through, and I I feel for everyone that's involved with this, and I particularly feel for the young families who have lost children and loved ones so uh there's there's really nothing nothing good about it at all it's just very very sad i want to provide
1: some context here so as part of this statement the artist travis scott says houston police uh, you know has my total support as they continue to look into the tragic loss of life i'm committed to working with the houston community to heal support the families in need thanks to the fire department love you all some background here. In 2019, three people were hospitalized with leg injuries after a stampede at the same festival. Two years before that, in 2017, the artist, Travis Scott, was charged with inciting a riot, disorderly conduct, endangering the welfare of a minor. This after a show in Arkansas. Two years before that, in 2015, he pleaded guilty for reckless conduct after he encouraged fans to climb over security barricades at Lollapalooza. I don't want to pile on to somebody that's 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 really into it right now, Larry. But would you even work with a guy like this? I mean, what's going through your mind as you hear this rap sheet?
4: Well, I guess when you when you hear a story like that, then you you have to consider who you're going to be dealing with. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors that probably come into play in any of these shows. You're dealing with young people, uh, and you're dealing with artists that that really get them all huffed up, hyped up. There possibly has to be a little more education going into how uh, these festivals are, are produced and, how, and, the, and give the young people an opportunity to learn about the, the potential dangers, especially when, when, when people start forging forward. You know, for every action, there's a reaction. When you get 50,000 people starting to push forward and those young people are up against the barricade, there's absolutely no place for them to move. So there's gotta be probably a little more education. Uh, I don't know what all took place or what sort of barricade systems they had up and what, uh, you know, what they did to, to protect that sort of surge. But uh, I, I do believe that uh, there's gonna have to be a little more education put into this uh, when you're dealing with the young people at these type of shows.
1: Larry I'm, I know I'm stating the obvious here But you know the first and, and every death is tragic Obviously 27 years old is is Still extremely young um, I, I'm thinking about this 14 year old boy By the name of John Hugert And and his friends say that he arrived Early at Astroworld because he wanted to have A great vantage point he wanted to be able to see the stage And I think of this young man 14 years of age Crushed to death Suffocated I don't know what I, I think of the terror that you would feel I think of he probably was crying help, he was probably and, and people around him maybe tried and, and were totally helpless. You're talking about 50,000 people. Uh, Alyssa's watching us live right now on the on the chat. She says there's so many videos on TikTok showing artists stopping their shows when they see crowd danger. Um, as a matter of fact, I just saw one the other day. Uh, Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, stopped a show. A guy was fighting in the audience, fist fighting. He called him out. He told him to get out. He said, "You in the striped shirt." He he stopped in the middle of a shot, of a song. Uh, Alyssa says the fact that Travis Scott continued shows he's nothing but a sociopath. You've been a producer. Would you ever pull the plug on a show? Would you kill the mic? Would you bring the lights
4: up? Is that whose call is that? Uh, you know what we've we've done that. And uh, we did it with our Stage 13, uh, Ugly Kid Joe was playing on stage, and it had been a bit of a rain fest going on, so uh, uh, the lead singer said, you know, you guys, it's muddy, just start throwing some mud. Well, they started throwing mud at the stage, and of course, they were hitting the artists, they were hitting equipment, they were hitting production people, and uh, we shut that show down and uh, and it didn't take very long to do it at all. And uh, You just don't need artists like that on your bill. Uh, people are coming there to, to have a good time, to see the music, to in- appreciate the show, visit with friends, and uh, you absolutely don't need to put them in any type of danger. Every- when, when these people are on your watch, you have to do everything you can to take care of them, and that's the most important thing. It, it's, when, I, when I look at a festival, to me, it's about the crowd and the people that have purchased the tickets it's not about the artists it's not about the producers it's about the fans
1: larry werner is a hall of fame uh, concert producer uh the producer of big valley jamboree for uh, almost 25 years uh, now a consultant with trickstar productions really appreciate your perspective on this larry thanks for doing the interview you're welcome thanks ryan Real talkers, you can let me know what you think. I mean, I would imagine, Hoyles, that if we put this out to the audience and asked anybody if they've had a terrifying moment at a show, I bet you people would chime in. It it reminded me also, you remember that? Do do you remember the Great White concert? This was the one in 2003, in February of 2003, 100 people killed in a nightclub. Uh, The video is horrific. A pyrotechnic show. It was in a bar right it wasn't like in a big huge arena it was in a bar and the pyrotechnics they determined later fire investigators did that these spinning pyrotechnics ignited the soundproofing in the ceiling and created an inferno 200 people injured 100 people killed uh i mean it it feels like the money doesn't matter it's like there was a 176 million dollar class action lawsuit that shut down like who cares about that stuff 100 people killed at a rock show um, these things happen these things happen and 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 i'd be curious to hear from from our audience members if this is anything that, that you've experienced james says the first show i was at where an artist actually chided the audience for being stupid was midnight oil <laughs> somebody threw a shoe on stage Dwayne says i saw wide mouth mason live in 1997 the lead singer, guitar player Sean Farreau spoke out against the moshing that he saw. He he called it dangerous. Sharon says, I can't imagine how terrifying that must have been for the for for the people. Unbelievable. Dwayne uh ten years ago says I was attacked by a total stranger at a concert. Troy says I'm totally claustrophobic. This sounds like my worst nightmare. Absolutely. No kidding. What about this from Kim who says artists have a responsibility for the whole experience. If not them, then their team. It's entertainment. There should be no loss risk of loss of life for entertainment. I mean, it sounds obvious, doesn't it? <laughs> Tanya, I read this during the interview with Larry. There's nothing funny about this, but it made me smile, Tanya. Sometimes the moments of levity are appreciated. She says, this guy sounds like a tool. And then she follows up And says not the guest The artist I appreciate that Tanya Thanks for tuning in Thanks for joining us Let me tell you Before we get on to uh, I, I mean I don't know Based on the interest From Real Talkers Is this the biggest celebrity to, to ever touch on the show I mean this guy's Generated more interest More celebration Than than the Prime Minister Than Justin Trudeau Than others We don't need We don't need to start but It's not fair for me To drag Mark Messier Into this it's, it's its probably not We haven't even announced Our lineup for our one year You knew I was going oh, there Hoyles oh, good. You knew I was going there Coming up on november 23rd our, our first anniversary it's already booked the show's already booked and uh we love that but coming up in just a moment uh based on your interest and your engagement with us since we announced dr Glaucum flecken was going to join us See, am i allowed to do that accent
3: what that wasn't an accent
1: well it's proper pronunciation Glauchem i think flecken. we'll ask him no, I threw it. A li- I threw a little "glockenflucking." Well, you're like, you're, kinda doing, kinda, the, uh,
3: you're yeah, doing that, yeah, which is good.
1: D- out of out of a sense of respect for the language, but
3: that's like with a with a R when you roll your R like, Yeah, yeah. R- you know, like. Oh, uh, oh,
1: oh here we go. Oh, never mind. We go. I'm here stopping. Au revoir. This is probably good yeah well i don't know about that that was kind of an anglophone correction yeah maybe okay i tried <laughs> No, and, I'm, I and tried. I'm not waiting in i'm not waiting in either i'm not going to touch <laughs> not this touched, one you're like I- what i am going to do is tell you about our real talk wine of the month for the month of november and we're super excited to be partnering with the 2020 winemaker of the year no joke this is greg brewer And it's wine enthusiasts That bestowed that honor upon him You can check out his work At brewerclifton.com Everybody's talking About his Chardonnay Santa Rita Hills Chardonnay The Pinot Noir is a big one too I want to head down to California To check out this vineyard If I'm being honest Their Diatom Chardonnay Also a great talker And then the Ex Post Facto Syrah That's an exclusive At Wine and Beyond But here's the thing You can get brewer clifton anywhere you find fine wines just ask for it if you don't see it on the shelf brewer clifton is our november wine of the month here on real talk also wanted to remind you how proud we are to partner with the team at friesen brothers they've got some amazing things coming up including the sixth birthday the celebration for charlie Anybody remember, this would be a little bit of real talk trivia. This from a few months ago. Who's Charlie? Charlie is the sourdough starter at Friesen Brothers. He's turning six years old on November 17th. That's uh, just about a week from now, a week tomorrow you can receive a free Friesen Brothers cinnamon spread plus 5,000 Smart Shopper bonus points with every purchase of Alberta sourdough at Friesen Brothers on November 17th. You can find out more at Friesen.com slash Charlie. Before we get to our next guest, I think sometimes a TikTok video is worth a million words. And so why don't we just introduce you now, if you don't already know him, I suspect most of you do, ophthalmologist, and comedian, Dr. Glaucum Flacken.
5: My last day in healthcare. I am being escorted out of the hospital because I refuse to get the jab, the stab, the thrust. I refuse to let them impale me with their syringe of lies. I would give up my house, my car, my family, my mid-level marketing scheme where I sell anti-aging vitamins that lengthen your telomeres, Lincoln bio. I would give it all up before I comply. I will not comply with the vaccine mandate. I have never complied except for the dozens of other times I've complied. My religious exemption was denied. They said I had no proof. So I asked them to prove that the vaccine is safe. They gave me graphs. Well, Jesus didn't have graphs. There are no graphs in the Bible. They told me Jesus heals the sick. Well, Jesus didn't prevent them from getting sick using advanced biomedical techniques. I don't go to church twice a year just to be disrespected like this. All the critically ill cancer patients cheered as I left because they respect my freedom. I am grateful for the people that have supported me. I'm not sure where they are right now, probably on break. But don't worry, I'll be okay. I'm gonna take some time off, sit at home. It's not gonna do anything for a while. Tucker, I'll just, I'll just be at home.
1: Dr. Glaude Flecken is played by real-life doctor Will Flannery. Joining us live this morning, welcome to Real Talk. Thanks for making time. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm very really excited. Well, can I... I don't know if you've seen this, but can I Can I just sort of take a quick rip through our, our Twitter thread when we announced you were coming on the show yesterday? A lot of these are, are just memes and GIFs, but people were basically... I mean, how about this one from Natasha? He says, he's one of my favorite creators. Sometimes his videos make me wish I'd gone to med school... But sometimes he also makes me think I dodged a bullet. Uh, I think that's pretty bang on.
5: That's right. I, that's a, that's a pretty much sums it up right there. Yeah.
1: How did how did you get started on the? I mean, the ophthalmologist route is interesting. You're you're, a, yeah. you're at least a two time cancer survivor, and you faced other adversity in, in your personal life. And we've we've got a lot to get into. I'm looking forward to it. But but you're you're legitimately a social media
5: star. I mean, millions of views of, of your TikTok videos. How did this all come about? Um, well, you know, I got my start on Twitter, which is probably why you, you saw the response you did on your Twitter feed. Um, so I've been on Twitter since 2016. And um, it, it honestly, it started, uh, I, was at a, I was at a conference, a research conference in ophthalmology, which I promise you sounds exactly how boring you know, that it sounds there. It, it was, uh, I was, I was bored to tears and uh, um, i was like i got to do something to pass the time and so a friend of mine was on twitter i was like hey this looks great uh let me i could tell jokes on here i had a background in stand-up i've been doing it for years but i didn't have time anymore because i was in medicine and so um i i started this uh, account. Uh, honestly, if I knew what it would turn into, I probably would have chosen an easier name to say. You, you did a great job by the way. <laughs> did uh, I do okay? Glock, right. Glock and Flecken. It was great. You did great.
1: I think I tried to infuse some sort of like a uh a Bavarian influence on the act. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. How, uh, what's the story behind the name?
5: Oh, it's uh it, it's it's hilarious. It's an it's actually a word in ophthalmology that has to do with angle closure glaucoma. Isn't that, isn't that isn't that hilarious? Isn't that so funny? That is so it's, funny. It's, <laughs> that is so <laughs> It is I,
1: I would imagine you probably you're just studying these. You're pouring over these textbooks at three o'clock in the morning, probably just laughing your ass off. eh? becoming an ophthalmologist.
5: I, yeah, I, I I wanted to find the the uh, the most ridiculous sounding word in ophthalmology, and the thing with ophthalmology is it's it's a field full of ridiculous words. And so it was either glock and fleckin or it was uh, pseudophacodonesis. but that was a bit of a mouthful. So I went with the much easier one
1: that could be like glockham fleckens assistant or the the, the, <laughs> the locum that comes in when he's on vacation uh, a journalist by the name of alexander Zabjek when, when she heard that you were coming on the show said oh what a great interview to land i laugh at all of his videos so much needed in the middle of much doom and gloom covid reading over the past 18 months uh, we had an icu doctor uh, by the name of darren markland who's a really good friend of this show tweet yesterday please thank him for me his humor has gone a long way to keeping me sane that from a Doctor, that's been working long nights in the ICU. What does that mean to hear that?
5: Uh, it, it means a lot. It really does. I um, there have been a lot of times uh, when I, I I wanted to just like stop putting out content for a while, just because sometimes it gets to be too much. Just social media and trying to to incorporate that into my normal life. Um, but then, you know, I hear comments like that. I get emails like that from people who have. Uh, been working so hard during this pandemic and um it 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 honestly it helps me to to have the motivation to keep going and, and keep uh trying to make people laugh um I, I didn't anticipate just how much that would help people uh but it, it's it's really great to hear and I, I mean i'm an ophthalmologist i'm not in the hospital i mean i don't I, I try not to go there we're generally afraid of the hospital so it's it's nice to know that i can I can help a little bit in some way
1: Well uh, if you need to take a sip of your coffee This feels like a pretty good time to tee up another one of your videos um, This is you uh, and, and it was perfect right We're we're, uh, we're going to be talking to, to a vampirologist A little bit later on in the show A week removed here from Halloween Pretty scary stuff but uh, this is one of your videos Along the same lines in a way Here's Dr. Glaucam Flecken
5: Now Jonathan you're taking me to a haunted house right Yes sir It's going to be really scary right Yes of course we're here. You may remove your blindfold. <gasps> Jonathan, is, is... Is this... A hospital, sir. Yes. No. <laughs> no. No, sir. You have to look. You have to see how they live. Okay. Can we go now? Yes. As soon as you see an ICU console. <laughs> what inspired that one? I don't, I don't know. I've had a, <laughs> a, back when, back when I was doing a, a lot of stand-up. I had a, jo- a joke I would tell regularly. Uh, it was, it was a lot of, I was still doing some medical comedy, but um, uh, one of the jokes was, it was around Halloween. I would say that I, Um, I went to this really great haunted house Uh, it was the uh, the the ICU or you know it was like that was the joke that that the haunted house is basically the hospital Um, and that's how it feels like for ophthalmologists and so I frequently will mine my old content for uh, for you know video ideas and and so I had that central idea I just kind of you know ran with it and used a Probably one of the favorite characters out there that people have, which is my loyal scribe, Jonathan.
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah your loyal scribe Jonathan's getting some shouts out in our live chat right now too Uh, I want to give a shout out to an an ER doctor uh, also a good friend of the show Dr. Shazma Mathani who reached out to me uh, when she heard that you were on the show and uh, she was thrilled and she said I'm so she said I'm I'm so excited Uh, well in her words she said holy shit I don't think I've ever been as excited for a show as I am for tomorrow and she's been on the show several times uh, so she's she's more excited to see you on here than she is to see herself but she was in the er last night and when she had a moment i said well send me a few questions from the doctors from the healthcare workers and so she delivered she says every single one uh myself included in the er tonight has said that they'd like to thank him for bringing rays of light and joy during such a terrible time for healthcare workers uh, i look forward to his videos and i go back and i watch them every chance i get here's the question from dr methanie does he realize that conversations in hospital corridors now are, did you see Dr. Glaucon Flecken's new video instead of, did you see ER or scrubs or Grey's anatomy?
5: Wow. That's, that's high praise. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I really don't know. Um, uh, again, the whole uh, ophthalmologists and hospitals don't mix generally. So no, but it's, it's, it's really great to hear. I, I mean, you know th- those shows. Yeah, I grew up watching those shows, and so um, you know, it's 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 nice to be in the same conversation in some regard uh, to 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 those awesome shows that that we all watched.
1: You've got it, when, when you're talking about healthcare and medicine, you've got a really interesting perspective. Number one, uh, you are a legit comedian. You did, you did stand up and, and um, I mean, obviously that's a little bit different than a lot of people that think they're comedians. Uh, you deliver, you're actually funny. Uh, you're also a, an ophthalmologist. You have experience medically, but, but your personal experience, I mean, you're a survivor. Correct me if I'm wrong. Twice testicular cancer plus cardiac arrest. Your wife, kept you alive doing cpr for 10 minutes i mean this is this is no yeah. joke
5: yeah this is this is real every four years i try to die that's, yeah. that's that's the running joke and and uh ryan my uh my wife is sick of it she is she's like not out again that's that's it you get three it It's to be exhausting for her keeping you alive every <laughs> is, four years i've put her through the ringer i really have um but yeah it's um uh, uh you know I have had testicular cancer twice, and then uh, back in twenty twenty, I had a um a sudden cardiac arrest, and my wife did ten minutes of CPR to save my life. Uh, and um, you know, as a result, i I never will win another argument again. And um, uh, you know it's it's just a, uh, what she did was amazing. And um, it's, it's really informed a lot of what I do on social media, just, you know, I, I've always used comedy as a coping mechanism and, and dealing with uh, this, all the adversity that I've experienced in life. And, um, you know, if you go back to my social media feeds back in, you know, May of 2020, you can see I just pretty much documented my recovery uh, and what I was experiencing along the way, which I think resonated with a lot of people.
1: Yeah. To say the least, Um, we've we've seen more. I mean, this is an anecdotal comment. I don't have evidence, but I suspect that it's true uh, that more medical professionals uh, from nurses to doctors, paramedics, um, and and some of them anonymous and and some of them putting their Faces and names out there have, have Joined social media I think to have a voice I think to speak in support of Vaccines I, I think to contribute to public Messaging around the pandemic and lockdown measures Or or pandemic restrictions And and also I think to represent themselves when They're in hostile situations involving uh, You know I mean either executives Or administrators or in some cases Governments uh, do you Think I mean yourself as a social Media personality and, and a well Followed and, and much watched one um, In your case not so much speech, I mean, you do provide commentary. It's not as much scathing as it is humorous. But what do you think it does to the credibility of of healthcare and and medicine? Are there concerns at all that it takes or diminishes the credibility?
5: I don't think so. And uh, you know, I, I can come at it from two perspectives: one as a as a doctor and as a patient. And one thing I've learned as a patient is that uh, people, the general public they want their doctors to seem relatable. They want their doctors to, to seem like real people that have things in their lives that frustrate them or things that make them, you know, uh, laugh or, or cry or just, just feel normal human emotions like doctors are not machines. And, um, and I think that by addressing some of the issues in healthcare uh, using comedy not only does it kind of endear the medical profession to, uh, to to the public, but also um, it, uh, it it just allows your message to, to reach more people. It, it's people are more likely to to share what you're trying to say if you're able to make them laugh in the face of sometimes really awful things like surprise billing or uh, you know health insurance issues or you know um, other other you know people bullying each other in medicine, and just all kinds of stuff. There's, all, there's so many problems uh, in any area, but particularly in healthcare. And so I try to, to address those using comedy so that um, people are more a little bit more receptive to the ideas and are, are willing to talk about them a little bit more. And I think that's really um, what has helped my content reach a larger audience.
1: What's your most watched video of all time? Do you know offhand?
5: actually do. And it's, uh it's not, has nothing, it's, it's not funny at all. That's the thing. It's, 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 re- so I, I did a, a video where I showed what it was like to um, to, to see the world with different glasses prescriptions. Hmm. Like a, if you're like a, a, a nearsighted person, like minus two or minus 10 or minus, you know, and, uh and so I was using these lenses that we have in our clinic and pulling up to the camera and showing, making it blurry and, and, it was like I did not. It was, not a, it was like a throwaway video. I was like, "This is not. This is stupid." Like three people are gonna like this, and then it turned out to get like you know ten million views on TikTok or something. And uh, it, it's, just, it's that's the thing with social media. You just like you never know what's going to take off. And and for me, that one, again, not a single joke in the whole thing, of course.
1: Mm, of course so you get I mean you get 10 million views on a video like that you're, you're averaging I mean hundreds of th- it's amazing it always feels kind of weird to talk about the numbers but they're relevant do you start yeah. thinking about the fact that when when you say Dr. Flecken, that that it's it's known I mean virtually around the world do you start to think about things like what your legacy might be in in medicine or a contribution to a bigger conversation or awareness
5: yeah I mean um you know it it's really hard to, to really think big picture like that because, you know, I started out just telling jokes and, and recording videos for like a few thousand people. Right. And it's just starting to to grow. And now it's in this, this, this huge thing. Um, so as far as my legacy goes, um, Hearing hearing that I've 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 helped people get through the pandemic is that's I'm happy with that. If I could just stop you know doing content, I think I'd be happy with with what I've done. Honestly, I'd be happy with the effect that I've had on medicine and just on helping people feel good and get through this very just awful period in healthcare, and um and so i am happy with that legacy i don't know we'll see i'll just i'm gonna keep as long as i enjoy making these videos make people laugh i'm gonna keep doing it but uh um i think i'm i'm happy with the effect that i've had
1: yeah it's it's a lot of work though like if like a minute 30, a 90 second video what does that take you a couple hours type thing
5: yeah it, it's i've gotten faster at it it really depends on how form uh how how much i've uh formed the script in my mind i don't write anything down i'm very i'm very generally i'm very unorganized uh and so i'm just i'm I'm happy i was able to get here on time it was great nailed Um, it but you were early i feel like i I was i was about 10 minutes early i didn't want to miss it we were impressed so so i um uh if i have a good script in my mind and i know exactly where i'm going with it i can knock out a, a 90 second video in about an hour
1: this is a, it takes more. a great question here from another physician uh, who says, uh, honestly, he is so spot on with hitting the nuances of different specialties in
5: his skits. I have no idea how he does it. I'll tell you how I do it, uh, because nothing is different in medicine now than it was like 300 years ago. <laughs> that, that's that's the thing with with. Because what I do is I, I play on personalities, right? I, I, I pit personalities in medicine against each other, and, and yeah, I find the conflict in those interpersonal, you know, relationships. And uh, and the thing is, like every cardiologist, when you really break it down and look at the essence of who they are, their personality, they all have the same tendencies. They all have the same traits, Neurologists, ophthalmologists like it, it, it's it's uncanny and it, it stretches around the, the world, too. It's not just in the U.S. Or, or in Canada. It's it's, you know, people in Europe and I hear from people all over the world that, wow, it's really the same here as it is there. And, and that's just it just speaks to how uh, certain areas of medicine just attract the same uh, types of personalities. It's, OK, so if you're if you're
1: talking about rock bands uh, or any bands, it's always the drummer. That's a little off. Um, if you're talking about hockey teams, it's always the goaltender that's a little off. Um, I hear on job sites, on construction sites, it's the drywall tapers that get the most grief from the other trades. I don't know why. Um, who is it in the hospitals? Who gets the most grief, or who's who's in medicine? Yeah. Who's who's like who's the was, quirky? Who are, who are the uh, who are the so-called uh, outsiders? Who are the ones that are marching to the beat of their own drum?
5: Probably emergency doctors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about they, them? <laughs> well, I think I feel for them because I feel like they, they get a lot of, um, uh, angry people that they have to talk to, uh, cause they're always calling people in the middle of the night. They're trying to get an ophthalmologist out of bed, uh, uh you know, to see <laughs> the, you know, patients with eye trauma and stuff like that. So I feel like, uh, they are, and they're very unique in their personality. Oh, you know, my character as the emergency doctor wears a bicycle helmet and like a, a, a bicycle, uh, a Jersey uh, because they're, they're very active and outgoing. And, you know, they always ride their, the joke is they always ride their bike to work, right? <laughs> so, they, um, so so it was like, every time I portray them, I'm wearing my sunglasses and my bike helmet. Um, but uh, I feel like they're, uh, they're I've, I've always enjoyed every conversation I've ever had with emergency doctor and their, their, their conferences, which I've been fortunate to be able to uh, speak at some of their emergency conferences they're great. Like you can curse, you can do There's no rules at an emergency medicine conference oh. there. They're, they definitely marched to the beat of their own drum. I can't even imagine. I, I want to be in an emergency
1: <laughs> medicine conference. I'm, I'm always hesitant to walk into a room where it's guaranteed I'm the
5: dumbest guy in the room. I mean, I was like, I like to leave it up for debate. You know what I'm no, saying? You, you'd have me there. Like I, uh, you know, I, I know nothing. You, my I forgot 99% of what I learned in med school. People don't want to uh, hear that from their ophthalmologist, uh, man. People don't want their ophthalmologist doing anything outside the eyeball. So just, you know, it's fine. (laughs) It's all fine. Uh, Great question
1: here from uh, an audience member. What's quicker, a retinal detachment surgery or making a TikTok video?
5: Well, if I did the retinal detachment surgery, um, it would be really quick. The patient would be good would go blind very very fast because that's not what i do
1: it's not what you do <laughs> so, so you're not offering retinal detachment surgeries I'm, at this i'm time. a
5: cataract no, i'm a cataract surgeon i i operate it's it's ridiculous to say that we compartmentalize the eyeball because it's only 23 millimeters long but i just i just deal with the front part like really I, so it's that area. it's yeah. that specialized we have we have like i think six or seven subspecialties within ophthalmology we can divide the eyeball into that many sections it's wow. it's absurd it's crazy yeah
1: when you go when you go like on a this is a weird question but like you're like first second third date with your now wife when you like gaze into her eyes do you look at people's eyes differently than the average person would are you like kind
5: of like oh yeah the you know, first time I went on a date with my wife I, I complimented her iris color. Wow. Uh, not, not in a way normal people do like you have beautiful blue eyes but uh I, I complimented her on just the lack of pigment in her iris that allowed her to have blue eyes is that, is that, something- that normal is that not normal that uh, people don't do that well it makes you sound smart i mean i would say that much mm-hmm. also a little bit of a weirdo well, let's mean, be
1: honest but but that's okay i mean pe- people don't typically build mass followings for just
5: you know being the norm well, so to speak you, Brian, you got to realize that um uh people who devote their career to eyeballs that's That's not something normal people do. That's that's just let's be honest. Well, I've always wondered about these specialties. There's there's a lot of I don't want to start
1: naming them because I would mean no disrespect. But there are certain specialties in medicine where you go, wow, what drew you to that? And and yeah, maybe the answer is like money or job opportunity. Or or maybe it's just you never know something happened to somebody along the way that that
5: they felt that calling. Right. And they're all thank goodness we have them. I think it's uh, it's a matter of of your experiences, either growing up or in med school. Like you just. You happen to meet the right person at the right time that that, that had an impact on you and on your education, and, and it just sticks in your brain and grows, and then you end up as an ophthalmologist who tells jokes on the internet. Yeah, very well done. Goes.
1: Uh, if I could compliment you, by the way, on your, this is mostly going to be heard on a podcast, but people lucky enough to see you here on YouTube will, will note the, the quality of the plants behind you, truly thriving. Um I, 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 I This is my segue into another question. You're a cataract surgeon. Um, I'm curious to know, uh, this has nothing to do with your comedy. This has nothing to do with your TikTok. Uh, but a lot of people uh, or many people have been using cannabis uh, to manage cataracts uh, over the past number of years. And I'd love to pick your brain on that as, as more and more understandings of the role that cannabis could possibly play in medicine is is made available to the public. What's your thought on it?
5: Well, people use cannabis uh, for glaucoma. That's that's what it's been for. I, I'm not aware of people using it to treat cataracts. Please Maybe that's just what that. my
1: neighbor's telling me.
5: It, <laughs> because that doesn't that doesn't work. It doesn't um, work at all. Uh, not for cataracts. Okay. Uh, now glaucoma, there is evidence to suggest it can lower eye pressure. But the thing is, it's like the 18th best treatment we have for glaucoma. Uh. So it's way down on the list. You're going to want to do a number of other things first. Huh? Um, More so fun, though, I guess.
1: People, uh, Megan is chiming in and says, my brother is a radiologist, and I would just like to say your depictions are accurate. Uh, so <laughs> she's giving you a high five on the, de- the, the depiction there. Tell us about this involvement that you have with, uh, you've got an organization that, that you support and, and you actually raise money for. People can check it out. This first Descents program, you've raised more than $50,000, at least the number we have. It may be higher than that, but uh, what's it all about and and how did you get involved?
5: Yeah, it's a first to is a group uh, that supports uh, young adults with cancer. So in the cancer community, a lot of times adolescents or uh, people basically from like, you know, 18 to 40 are often overlooked. Um, And uh, it's it's a way to bring um, those patients together, uh, those people together, um, to, to form a support network. So basically they put on outdoor adventure programs for, for, um, young adults affected by cancer, uh, as a way to form a community, but also allow you to, to regain some semblance of control over your life, uh, and, um, you know, be, be able to trust your body again. And it's all, all about, uh, you know, giving you uh, back some power and in, in your life, and uh, it's a wonderful organization. I got started. My wife actually found it, uh, uh, found the organization, and turned me on to it. And it's it helped me get through my cancer diagnoses. And um, uh, and so I'm more than happy to to help uh, raise money. And yeah, so far I think so far we're up. Over like eighty thousand now. So is that it's, right? It's, yeah, and it's uh, it's they're based out of Colorado. It's a, it's a, just a wonderful organization that does a lot of great things for a lot of young people.
1: You know, one of the cool things as well about doing interviews with Canadian shows is that you can now say you, you can say we've raised eighty thousand U.S. and then we all do kind of quick math and we go, you've raised like one hundred and ten grand.
5: <laughs> so, that's great. Oh, that's good. It's a good tip. Very thanks.
1: nicely done. So people can check out. I mean, obviously you're, you know, you're on TikTok. People can find you on Twitter at, at D Glockham Flecken. Uh, we've linked to it, of course, from our real talk RJ account. And they, you, you can see that link there for fundraising. If you'd like to make a donation, the link is right there in the bio. Um, has anything struck you? I'm always, I'm always fascinated. I was talking to a, a buddy of mine, Omar Mualim the other day about his, he's crowdfunding a film. He's a documentary filmmaker and, and sometimes projects fly and sometimes people just have to work at it. And, and really grind every dollar they can any observations about putting a donation link out and, and ultimately raising more than $80,000. Do people surprise you sometimes?
5: Yeah, uh, it it is surprising. You know, I, I've always been kind of afraid of overdoing it with certain things like asking people to donate and to certain causes. But if, if people know that you're genuine and you're coming from uh, the right place and, and you're, 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 your enthusiasm for a certain um, you know whether it's you know raising money for a nonprofit, your enthusiasm will come through and it, uh, people will recognize that and they'll be happy to help um, uh, you know whatever cause that you you're interested in and so I, I'm i so just thankful for the community I mean all that money is basically just for me like tweeting and making videos like I that's all I've done and, and people are, are donating I do cameo videos as well uh, and I donate the proceeds uh, to the to first Descent for that so
1: people can yeah that's where you you'll like go for 60 or 90 seconds and wish somebody mm-hmm. a happy birthday or something like that yep that's a yeah, new it's, thing it's Great. amazing to see how many people are doing that and and i mean you're donating yours which is amazing uh a lot of people i mean just retired athletes and celebrities are doing it as a as a revenue generator it's fascinating to see
5: yeah you can get a video from from jerry west yeah for uh like 400 dollars. really it's like it's, it's it's crazy like just your favorite celebrity just think about you are know, you a, are you a to, lakers to guy no, I just I just happened to see a Jerry West on there. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like I would never think to get a video from Jerry West, but <laughs> hey, maybe somebody out there is a big Jerry West fan.
1: I don't know. To to hear a your celebrity you know your favorite say your name and a birthday greeting is kind of a big deal i'm always intrigued by seeing the celebrities and how they price themselves like sometimes you know you'll see a celebrity and they're like get a cameo video 30 bucks and you're like what are you 30 bucks what do you You know and then you'll see there's like the odd like grown adult it's always a guy that's like i'll do your cameo video for like 69 bucks you're like nice dude (laughs) nice okay real mature but it's a fa- yeah. it's a fascinating new uh sort of i don't know the world wide web is making so many things accessible how about this question uh from megan who wants to know uh hey doc how long till a robot can do what you do uh, i'm assuming she doesn't mean the tiktok videos i'm assuming she means
5: the mm. surgeries why do you think i'm doing the tiktok videos because <laughs> the the robot revolution is coming to ophthalmology no i I, I don't know. I mean, we already have a machine that can do like certain parts of our our surgeries for us. So I don't. You want to give me? I would say like forty two years. Let's say that forty two. Forty two. Forty two years. The robots will be doing all of our cataract surgery.
1: Well, I mean, I'd be curious to know what it's going to look like in forty two years. With I mean, are, are there going to be pilots and airplanes anymore? Are there going to be drivers behind eighteen wheelers or? I doubt it. Will we
5: even be on this planet? Will we we even don't know. be? Oh, thanks for that.
1: Gina says, "Unbelievable CPR for ten minutes, and he survived." Go get certified, people. That from Gina. How yes. lucky are we to have been hanging out? I, I know you know some people were actually upset at us at the show for using your real name in promoting this interview. They they felt like they had seen like Wilson from Home Improvement. They saw the fence taken away, and they were like they, they weren't happy about it.
5: Yeah, it's it's a little jarring for people to <laughs> to hear my real name because I was Dr. Glaucon Flecken solely for so long.
1: Well, that's that's who you shall be forevermore in Real Talk Lore. People can check out drgcomedy.com. They can follow you, of course, on all the big social media platforms. Uh, Dr. Will Flannery, a.k.a. Dr. Glaucon Flecken, thanks for making time for us. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I think I said amazing about just if I'm going to critique that interview, I think I said amazing about 11 times.
3: That's okay.
1: What a beauty. Like just a real kind of a good vibe with that guy. Yeah, well,
3: he's weathered so many storms that nothing seems to ruffle.
1: Can you imagine? No. Your your partner (laughs) goes in and he he looks, I mean, this has nothing to do with anything. I I oftentimes will make an observation and then someone will write in and say, what does that have to do with anything? And my answer will always be, "Eh, frankly, nothing. But he looks like a healthy guy. He is healthy. I mean, he's, you know, a two-time cancer survivor. He's obviously, you know, you you might say on the cancer front, cancer picks and chooses and is rarely fair. Uh, but to beat it twice and then to have a sudden cardiac arrest and your spouse, your life partner, sustains and ultimately saves your life with 10 minutes of CPR. Gina's absolutely right. Go get certified. That's an amazing story. But he's got just this kind of, I would imagine that kind of thing, and, and I appreciate that he pulled back the curtain a bit and gave us some perspective into what makes him tick and what drives his comedy and quite frankly, his advocacy. Um, but, but to be brought back to life would do something to your perspective, right? I mean, that would really, I think, change. I mean, we, uh, this, I'm not the same at all, not even close, but happened to be in a vehicle. I survived a horrific car crash uh, back in September of 2016, and it changed it, it to this day. I mean, when I think of what are things that happen that change your life forever, that's the one for me. And uh, I bet you maybe a, a whole bunch of our audience members, maybe almost all of them have that moment in their life that that prompted that gratitude The fact that you woke up the next morning that you saw that sunrise. I wish I could remember who it was that tweeted this the other day. I'd love to give them credit, but I saw somebody tweet the other day. The best part of waking up is waking up.
3: Not Folgers in your cup.
1: Not Folgers in your cup.
3: The best part. Uh, Maybe we should get a Folgers sponsorship.
1: Well, we've been talking about having a coffee sponsorship. So I don't don't think that's got to come at some Folgers doesn't. We we look for brands that align. Yeah. Folgers is like, what did we do to you? (laughs) So what's up with that? The team at Westworld Computers, that brand aligns with ours. Love the way that they operate 40 years, family owned, your Apple experts, independently going against that big box store. You know, the one I'm talking about. If you require sales or service, Daryl and his team would love to hear from you. You can find them, in-house of course at their store in our home city of edmonton or you can shop online from anywhere across the country westworld.ca they'll ship to you the new macbook pros that brand new series 7 apple watch and of course the service from apple experts that's been trusted like i said for more than 40 years what a legacy from the team at Westworld. Sam, is it okay if we call up that tweet that I saw from Park Power yesterday? I wanted to remind people of this. This is really great. You're about to see Chris Kozowski. He's the founder of Park Power. Uh, look at that. I mean, this the guy. The bow ties are just classic. But he says here here's a, a helpful graphic. He says here here's the difference. It's better to be local. And of course, Chris reminding us that we can choose where we get our internet, electricity, and natural gas uh, with the big guys, the traditional guys maybe not a lot of pros there what are the pros of going local they're independent they have low rates they have awesome service and they share their profits locally that's right when you take your business over there as a matter of fact you get to designate where you'd like to see your charitable contribution go they take it out of their proceeds on electricity amazing model that parkpower.ca the promo code 2021-realtalk gets you 70 bucks off your first bill a really great reason another great reason to take your business over to park power coming up in 10 minutes or so uh we're gonna talk to dr peter Guls, who is a vampirologist this is a real thing sarah hoyles
3: <laughs> well he's a vampire prof he's been called the vampire prof he's been called a vampirologist
1: he's kind of a big deal yeah. In, in, in the in the realm of vampires, this guy is one, uh, an interview you'll really want to sink your teeth into.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. He was actually Ooh. even, tab. yeah. I was just going to walk right past that one. <laughs> not even, not even acknowledge it. I
1: heard from our live studio audience, the booing and the hissing. And so I just wanted to acknowledge it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They didn't like it. They, they just, they've had enough of it.
3: Yeah, so he actually worked with uh, Warner Brothers. um, And he did some some like special takes on vampire uh, content that they've done. Uh, Yeah, he's got a class at the University of Victoria in BC, uh, where he's he's been doing it for a number of years. And (laughs) even when the pandemic struck, he went online with it, as most universities did. And he got folks from all over the world. Vampires are everywhere no there are no borders when it comes to vampires
1: uh i want to yeah i i should let that <laughs> one <be.
3: laughs> yeah. are you even listening to me i am listening i am listening to me, am listening you to you, you have my me, full Ryan. attention
1: you have my full attention and i agree with you i mean we're going to talk about but but i i have to be honest um I relied on you to bring me up to speed just a little bit on the storylines of some of the pop culture references that, that we will no doubt be talking about with The Good Doctor uh, out of the University of Victoria. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then kind of Buffy 2.0, right? And then Interview with the Vampire, uh, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Twilight, the Twilight series, which I, I'm pretty sure based on box office sales has to be one of the top growing franchise or the top grossing franchises of all time. You'd you'd probably have like obviously Star Wars because they've got so many. You would have. Why am I doing this off the top Not of my head?
3: Because they've got so many. Beca- well, I am a huge Star Wars. Star Wars. Man. Because I'm just
1: saying that they Star keep Star Wars. Yes. Uh, well said. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. See, I can acknowledge when Sarah's made a great point, <laughs> but also there's a ton of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Um But you'd, you'd you'd probably have Harry Potter would be up there for sure, right? You'd have uh, the the Twilight series up there for sure. Pirates of the Caribbean have probably grossed a ton of dough. If only we had like some sort of like a worldwide web of information where we could just go and check all this, we've asked what made you grateful. What, what happened in your life? What did you survive, basically, that, that, that maybe in a way changed the way that you think or that maybe gave you a little bit more appreciation to face the day? Lisa says, I had a friend whose wife did CPR in a restaurant when he just dropped from a heart attack. Uh, They got lucky that there were also a few off-duty firefighters that happened to walk in and pretty much took over right away. Chad uh, was hit by a car in July of 2020, says it absolutely changed my perspective in life. Uh, Kim says I was rear-ended, badly injured in 2017. It was a hellish few years recovering. Um, And then Kim says I have a good eight years now before my stroke. Kim, Lisa rolled her SUV on the freeway, says I've never been so grateful for deep snow banks. Fair enough. Did either of you, have, have either of you had, I mean, this is kind of putting you on the spot. Maybe it might be something you might not want to talk about, but have either of you had, had something happen that, that sort of you looked at and you said, I was lucky to survive that it changed your perspective at all? No, You're, not really. Not so much. I've, like, I mean, like you know, for the car accidents that
0: I've been in, and I'm putting that in, in air quotes have been like rear-enders or cracked
1: bumpers or not flipping at 140 kind of thing the,
0: the biggest with me and i mean like i kid you not this is like a cartoon i slid in in a front wheel my mom's front wheel drive car uh i slid into a storm grate on some ice and it knocked one of the back wheels off which just like rolled down the street behind me it was like a cartoon.
1: Ooh. Oh yeah. But uh, so the I pedestrian, was really fine. the yeah. pedestrians are more lucky. Than you yeah. <laughs> in yeah. Circumstance. Yeah.
3: Mine is actually it was kind of more in hindsight because I didn't actually know what was going on. Oh. Um I was having a lot of abdominal pain and I couldn't they couldn't figure out what it was. I was 27 at the time and luckily a doctor th- thought I think it's a gallbladder attack. Oddly enough, I was in Africa. <laughs> And I started having these attacks. I didn't know what they were. I was having extreme abdominal pain. I got flown back. Turns out I needed to get my gallbladder out. So I could have, hindsight, I realized my gallbladder could have exploded. Wow. And I would have, yeah. that's fatal. So um, it's always hindsight is uh, 2020.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. This is one, uh, I love this from JB, who says, after successful brain tumor surgery, I had a second childhood of sorts. No kidding no kidding corinne says ryan i recall once on the radio you talked about a near miss with lightning at a golf course yeah uh that was absolutely wild if you scroll back do you think we can do this uh before we get to our next interview maybe we can find it let me see if i can uh find the photo uh in real time how quick can i find it i'm not sure if i'll be able to i was hosting here it is Look at this. June 15th of 2018. I tweeted, I just about soiled my shorts when lightning struck this tree on hole 10 at the Lynx golf course, about 100 meters from where we were standing. I've never felt such a powerful boom. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you can see this photo. This lightning uh, absolutely blew apart. Uh, I would say probably, without exaggerating, a 25 to 30 foot tree uh, probably about a foot and a half in diameter just absolutely exploded it sent shrapnel these massive pieces like two by four sized pieces literally two by four sized pieces into the chain link fences of the homes that lined that golf course and it was just like a You know, when you see uh, typically they're in the war movies where you'll see uh, before an explosion, there's kind of like a vacuum type thing where it goes in and then it goes out like it's like boom like that. It kind of felt like that. It was just this massive explosion. It was it was wild. I didn't think about Corinne. Great memory. First of all, Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, you can find that tweet June 15th of 2018. If you just Google at Ryan Jesperson lightning, you'll find it. We're going to talk to this vampirologist in just a second. I'm, I'm totally fascinated by this. How does somebody get into this? What a cool talking point. Every once in a while, it's nice to not be talking about politics and the world going to hell in a handbasket. You know, way better to talk about people being bit in the neck and having the blood sucked out, you know, just, just for a nice like, change of pace. Something light. Just a little brevity <laughs> on a Tuesday morning. But before we do, why don't you, I already used the here's the deal. You can sink your teeth into. Damn it.
3: Are you thirsty for...
1: Are you thirsty for a great deal on a Ram 1500 pickup?
3: That works. We'll go with
1: that. Do you really want to stick your neck out going to all these dealerships not knowing who's going to treat you right and who's going to tell you the truth? I'm not going to bleed you dry. You won't be bled dry. Why not cloak yourself in the integrity that comes with dealing with the teams at Sherwood Park? And Thank you very much. I feel like we really nailed that one sherwood and st albert dodge gives you chrysler jeep ram mopar selection that you're not going to get anywhere else because they share their inventory they can get you the truck you need they can get you the grand cherokee you need maybe one of those chargers i love those chargers but check out what happens here i go to their website i link to it under the sponsors tab on our website RyanJesperson.com, and up comes a window do i want to chat with somebody would I do I have any questions would I like to consult with anybody and if not I can just go on and check out the inventory myself they'll leave me alone but there's always somebody there ready to help you out at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge where you won't be blood dry they're like please stick to the script please stop being cute with our commercials serious business I'm gonna go see their team later today actually I'm looking forward to it The team at Local Waste wants to remind you that there's a couple of reasons why you should be interested in what they're doing. Number one, they've got 25 years of return business from customers that partner with them because the relationships grow as the businesses grow. They want to see all the boats rise as the tide rises. You can get a quote right now, whether it's construction, commercial, or residential waste and recycling collection at localwaste.ca. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. If if you're in a community in Western Canada somewhere and you go, you know what, with regards to waste and recycling collection, my entrepreneurial, you know, inclination tells me that there's opportunity here. Local waste is always looking to expand. And Chris and Lauren and Mikkel would love to hear from you. If you, if, If you might look to partner with them on something, the door's open. That's what I love about the way they roll at Local Waste Services. You can count on them. Hoyles that was incredible that's two points for you yes. Sam if you could add two points for Sarah to the list of uh, score to our score list we realized like on the third episode of real talk and handing out these points willy-nilly that we were never going to be able to keep track of it I'll find the
0: page in two my points for, notebook for that I've got all the scores just wait down. until we yeah.
1: reveal what you'll be able to cash in your points for just wait Ooh. Just you wait Yee. Maybe a free Real Talk pencil oh. You never know Hey you may, 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 maybe can points. always
3: dream I can dream
1: You might be able to earn 10% off the merch store At <laughs> RyanJesperson.com Where you can pick up All the stocking stuffers You need As a matter of fact I brought something in for you Here hang on I gotta go camera four For a sec Sam. Yeah so,
3: right Yeah right What, what did you? What are you doing
1: You asked me for something Oh no I shouldn't do this I shouldn't do this
3: Well now you have to You have to
1: Okay I'm doing it You? Why am I doing this I just totally ruined your plan Can I do it
3: yeah, Well you got to now I have to now Dad
1: Dad turn off the <laughs> Stop watching
3: Hugh Hoyles
1: Hugh <laughs> Alert Hugh Hoyles Turn off the camera Alright The computer Why did I do this I'm ruining this for you But no, we okay But we're gonna sell like 300 golf balls now <laughs> This is <laughs> worth it uh, This is the Vice Pro Plus And uh, I'm happy to tell you that now online on our merch store, you can now get your very own. Check this out. Real Talk branded golf balls. How cool is that? Real Talk branded golf balls, as we say on the website for the person in your life, the person you know that would like to send the Real Talk logo or my smiling face down the fairway. (laughs) You don't have to like me. And in fact, the less you like me, the more you'll appreciate the Real Talk golf balls. Where else can you send my teeth 300 yards down a fairway and not get arrested for it? real talk golf balls at ryan our next guest is an associate pro- people won't believe that's not scripted people will not believe that was spontaneous uh, is an associate professor in the department of germanic and slavic studies at the university of victoria teaches german language and film during the day nice writing hoyles he is a vampirologist at night he wrote it oh that's even better Dr. Peter Galtz instructs one of North America's most popular university courses. No wonder it's about vampires. Dr. Peter Galtz, welcome to Real Talk and thanks for making time for us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet! A vampirologist by night. This <clears throat> is this is amazing. I, I was wondering, uh, one uh, one of the uh, things that my son loves to play with was is these vampire teeth that can go in over his. It's like a dental appliance that gives him fangs. And I I, I was uh, with great uh, excitement wondering if you might have that appliance in yourself this morning. But just just regular teeth for this. I, I suppose the sun's shining right now.
6: Yeah, I, I do have that. I also talk to my dentist, you know, whether he could really sort of get them in there professionally.
1: And he's willing to do that. Uh, are you going to proceed for real? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I've seen it done. I've seen wilder things. People do wilder, wilder things with their teeth. That's for sure. You just have to Google Mexican vampire and then see what you get. Mexican vampire. I'll do that in just a second. How do, how does a guy get get how does a guy become a vampirologist? What's your journey? I'm fascinated. Oh, I see. No, Can you talk about it?
6: it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it started academically. When I wrote my PhD, which was quite a while ago, I discovered that the author that I was really uh, interested in also wrote a novel about a vampire who was a uh, Uh, a vampire giving so-called suck therapy. So he was a therapist and he used to suck the blood of his uh, clients kind of thing. And uh, it fit really nicely. And I started reading about them and just got really fascinated, both by the folklore of vampires where all the stories come from, and then more specifically by the movies. And that's what I teach basically. The course is is a film course and the cultural history of vampires, yeah, in film.
1: Uh, okay, so for the benefit of our audience watching on YouTube, I googled Mexican vampire. You're talking about uh, this gal, Maria Jose, is that right? Is this who we're talking about? This is some serious commitment here. Is is this the image that you had in mind there, Doc? Yep.
6: Can you guess what she does for a living? No. Uh, she's Is she a tattoo artist? No, she's a lawyer. Come on. That's what it says. I don't know her personally, but... Keep
1: on Googling. Wow. We, we should <laughs> get an sure interview. She's still practicing. Yeah, Hoyles is our... We, I think, I think uh, the producer of this show has already put an interview request in with her. Wow, I feel like now I want to go off on some tangent about tattoos in the workplace and how people judge personal appearances, but let's not do that because we've got the vampirologist in the house. who is <laughs> Who is drawn... To your course at the University of Victoria, I would imagine it's obviously people that are fascinated with, with certain types of filmmaking, pop culture. Uh, but, but, but what really brings these students in, do you think?
6: I think it's, it's uh, two things. One is that the students that you just mentioned who are really interested in vampire movies and vampire novels, everything gothic, I guess. And then it's also a very popular course because students take it as an elective. So a lot of students come from different faculties and different uh, departments and take the course so that's why it's so large because normally our courses are not that big
1: what's the earliest uh, appearance of a vampire in 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 folklore uh, whether it's literary or otherwise like how far back do we go when did when when did human beings first come up with the idea and start talking about it?
6: Well, that just depends on your definition of what a vampire is, right? There there have always been mythological figures that take something, you know, during the night mostly. And we see that in Greek and Roman times already, we have various uh, mythological figures that fulfill that, uh, Empusa and and others. But uh, the the real vampire is only quote-unquote real. Uh, started in the 18th century when there was a public interest because there were so many stories about these vampires in Eastern Europe. And then uh, they sent in official teams to check out what was really happening. And that's when people started talking about them. So that was in the early 18th century where it
1: really became a thing. Do you? What do you think it is about the vampire that's been such a... I mean, we were talking about, I mean, th- throughout even recent pop culture, the last you know let's say 25 or 30 years um interview with the vampire the classic film in 1994 my understanding uh, Warner Brothers the theater uh, the studio actually reached out to you we can get into that uh, buffy the vampire slayer two different versions or or two different stars of that show two different series essentially based on that premise and then obviously the the twilight film franchise which was enormous which i guess is enormous Uh, Robert Pattinson, Kristen Stewart were certainly, I think, you know, A-listers for the better part of a decade based on that film franchise. What what is it about the idea of the vampire that so resonates with people present day?
6: I think it's always resonated with people. I mean, like you said, they're really popular right now, but they have been very popular since the 1930s, since Dracula first wore the cape on screen kind of thing. I think one explanation is that there are so many different vampires for different uh, generations and for different people like uh, vampire movies that they cover every genre, you know, there are science fiction, Western, romance, uh, comedies, everything. So it's easy to find a vampire that, you know, speaks to you, as I would say.
1: Do you think that, Um, yeah. Do you think that that vampires in a sense offer some sort of, societal commentary or or, or do you think that that people see a certain I mean there are vampires a metaphor or do vampires represent something that some people uh find even believable to a certain degree I mean you've explored all of these different angles uh
6: well as a metaphor yeah I mean basically again it depends because if you talk about vampires in the plural there are so many different things you know but uh on a very basic level it's just an uneven relationship I I would say, right? So there's a stronger person, a more powerful person and a weaker person. And then they sort of uh, uh, make a deal or don't make a deal. Oftentimes it's like a a deal with Mephistopheles, like with the devil, right? But uh, yeah, uneven relationship. And as a metaphor, yeah, there can be a metaphor for lots of things. I mean, if you have the interview with a vampire, obviously, That was a big thing, you know, having a homosexual, homoerotic relationship on the big screen in the 90s hadn't really been done that much, you know. And we also have uh, uh, lesbian vampires in the hunger in the 80s already. So they talk about a lot of subjects that are normally taboo, right?
1: And and kind of and sexy, right? Like uh, when it comes to horror I mean, I don't even know if it's the horror genre. I guess in a way it is. I mean, I guess if your neck gets attacked and the blood sucked, mm-hmm. sure. But but it, they're quite f- sexy, right?
6: That's that's the thing. I think that's also the thing that sets them apart from regular monsters, right? Because uh, regular monsters you're normally scared of or you're disgusted or whatever. But vampires they always mix that fear and desire. So there's always a sexual component. Even with Nosferatu, we had that, although not a very attractive character on screen, but it was also there.
1: But, uh, an, but an iconic, yeah, certainly an iconic character, uh, to mm-hmm. be sure. You had, uh, mm-hmm. you, I mean, this is some pretty high praise from Miranda, who's watching us now. Um, she's talking about your class at the University oh. of Victoria. She says, I would take his class. And I always said, no more school after eight years of college. So that's a that's a pretty high compliment. But, but you had, I mean, we've got, by the numbers here, uh, your course enrollment in its first year was 75 students, which is pretty good. Um, But swelled up to over 300 students offered online for the first time last year because of COVID-19, the course attracting students from across Asia, Europe, North and South America. I mean, we have to talk about things like time zones and other barriers. That's that's a pretty fascinating uh, case study with regards to interest in the subject matter. Now, you may say, yeah, I had a captive audience, COVID-19. People were looking for, for different areas to channel their enthusiasm or their learning. But, but what did that say to you?
6: Well, I mean, to, to be really honest, of course, it was a lot of students also from Victoria who, who weren't here, right, at, at big because of the COVID. But it's, it's popular, I think, also because of word of mouth. I mean, people talk about it uh, in person or online or whatever, so I was very happy to, to see.
1: Well, I think we may have uh, lost the good doctor, which is... Did uh, a
3: vampire get him?
1: I mean, I don't want to spread rumors, but... Um, very possible. Is there... What are the things where you like um you know, you're not supposed to... Is he back? He's... Okay, he's back.
3: Oh, yes. I guess it was the vampire didn't get him. He got away.
1: We're, we're happy to see that you're still fine, Doc. I just, I just had to have a quick... Yeah, it just <laughs> I should ask. I mean, I don't want to get through the entire interview. And then someone's like, I can't believe it. Like, are you a vampire doctor? And would I admit it? Really? Well, I don't know. I mean, how does it work? I'm unfamiliar with how it works. So I don't know. But there are people. No, go ahead. Sorry. There are probably people that take their uh, interest in this to more elevated levels. If you know what I'm getting at, are there, I do. are there vampires on, you know, walking among us?
6: I really don't know, you know, I mean, when the uh, true blood came out, remember that, uh, they, they advertised it as if there were really vampires living amongst us. And a lot of people actually took the, took the ad seriously, uh, I'm, I don't believe that, of course, but I mean, it's it's a nice uh, new trope because we also have uh, what we do in the shadows, for example, the movie and the TV series based on that premise, right? That vampires are now living uh, among us and how do they cope? I mean, in true blood uh, already, you had that there. So that's something that people do think about. yeah, I'm not really sort of into that and I haven't uh, uh, researched that.
1: Hmm. Did you ever, have a, did you ever, uh, I know you're not going to answer this, but I got to ask it. Did you ever have a student that based on their papers, uh, or, or their questions to you that concerned hmm. you a little bit?
6: I mean, if you have it like, you know, two or 300 students, there's always support, you know, there's bound to be one or two that are a little different. <laughs> let's just say,
1: <laughs> let's just I say that's long... a very safe answer.
6: I had one student, which I was uh, quite surprised, who uh, liked Nosferatu the movie so much that he got she got a full sleeve uh, on her arm. I can see a tattoo that of, of Nosferatu. That's commitment.
1: That is commitment. Absolutely amazing. Mark chimes in. He says, "My brother, an author, holds that corporations are vampiristic. They're designed not to die or to live <clears throat> forever." He argues that people start them partly out of their own desires to somehow live forever. I wonder if maybe the vampire is a metaphor for capitalism.
6: Actually, Karl Marx already used that. Karl Marx quite literally said that, that capitalists are like vampires. So there you go. That That's sucks. the beauty because you can adapt it to so many things. There's also a few books out now about psychic vampires in the workplace. What does that mean? That that suck you dry. Literally, not metaphorically, or, or, well, metaphorically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Wow. What does a guy like you do uh, a week ago for Halloween? Oh, I was really, uh, it was really nice because I was busy because it's the 20th anniversary of the course, and you, uh, Vic, you know, what what you read as well, they put out some uh, stuff on, on uh, social media, so I had quite a bit of media attention, which was wonderful. And the best thing was I just briefly... That uh, my colleagues and the deans, they actually came to the class unannounced and gave me a huge surprise. Uh, they just walked in, played the monster mash, and then gave me a cake and all of that. It was wonderful. Well,
1: what yeah. did the cake look like? It looked like Dracula. There it you go. It was a special cake they got me. Well, I would imagine. I wanted to ask you, like, it, like your, the stocking stuffers you receive, the, the, the gifts, the birthday gifts, are they all blood-related?
6: Quite a few, I have
1: to admit. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I guess, you know, you, you, you play a certain game, you get a certain prize, right? I mean, yeah. Hey, well, congratulations. I mean, 20 years is amazing. I love this. You created the course in 2001. You've taught it every year since. A cultural history of vampires in literature and film. Uh, congratulations. This has been really a lot of fun and we love We, we always say, we talk about news politics and pop culture and the pop culture side of this is, is fascinating. Vampires through the ages. Thanks for the history lesson. Thanks for making us smile and have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much. You too. Take care. You got it. That's Dr. Peter Gulls, a vampirologist out of the university of Victoria. That was great. Somebody said, were you, somebody said uh, you know, with regards to like the sexy vampires, mm. and we had a couple of people that were like, yeah, I don't really find vampires too sexy. Yeah, it's whatever floats your boat. But someone else said, what about a... Se-? Someone said, we don't see sexy zombies. Totally different. Totally. Di- zombies are decaying on the bone. Yeah. It's hard to make that sexy.
3: It, it really, truly is. So the question is... I'm
1: speaking from my perspective based on my taste. Right. It- uh, you get that taste? Sorry, guys.
3: If you have to explain it, yes. Um, vampires, sexy? Not sexy.
1: Go. Uh, are are you? Uh, hang on, I don't understand the question. You're asking me to talk about certain ones. No,
3: I'm asking you. Are
1: they sexy or are not? sexy? Are Vampires,
3: sexy or not sexy? Uh,
1: yes, they're sexy. Hundred percent. You don't. You disagree? Yeah. I, they don't float your boat. Nope. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not saying that I want to marry a vampire <laughs> or that I have dated vampires. I'm just saying
3: that.
1: Oh, you love. I'm just saying that when a when a vampire enters the film, the when when the vampire debuts enters the room, uh, it's like it's the same sort of thing. You know, I mean, when those characters, I don't know why I'm thinking of like the. uh, Why am I drawing a blank of what it's called? The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Am I Rocky Horror
3: Picture Show? I'm not
1: missing a word. It's just the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You got it. Same sort of characters where they come in and it's like this 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 sort of like off kilter. A little bit weird but magnificent and fabulous and and sexy uh, character in the film oh yeah and uh, and vampires oftentimes in those films are those characters mm-hmm. um, True. And, um, and you know if there's any real tragedy in life it's that we are moving as a society away from the sexy fill-in-the-blank halloween costumes this really sad. You it's really sad to are see.
3: Are trolling? I might be, and I am not I might gonna be, bite. I might I'm be not trolling. Going I, to bite. I,
1: I, I might be not gonna bite. Very well done.
3: Not gonna do it. Gonna
1: do Zaz it. says the count is sexy as hell. Probably the sexiest Sesame Street character. I was gonna say the <laughs> count. One up. Uh, Although uh, Big uh. Bird and those long legs. How about Big Bird getting vaccinated the other day? Well done, Big Bird. Wasn't
3: that, I thought that was from the 70s that he was, they, they like, they uh, drudged up the, uh, the an old video of uh, Big Bird getting vaccinated. Well,
1: this is the thing. So who knew that Big Bird has a Twitter account, um, has 260,000 followers. Breaking news. And as you can see here on November 6th, Big Bird tweeted, I got the COVID-19 vaccine today. My wing is feeling a little sore. But it'll give my body an extra protective Boost that keeps me and others Healthy um, and then referenced uh, Erica Hill who's a medical correspondent uh, A CNN journalist Said uh, Erica Hill even said that I've been Getting vaccines since I was a little bird Hence Aww. hence the reference Yeah, uh, Says I had no idea And 280,000 people liked the tweet And uh, about 50,000 retweeted It and Ted Cruz Out of Twitter uh, he Tried to pick a fight with Big Bird <laughs> About <laughs> No it's true. This is this is like this is the bigger version of Jason Kenny fighting the cartoon Bigfoot. Uh Ted Cruz, representative out of Texas, the Republican, I think everybody knows. You notice nobody ever says Canadian Ted Cruz. <laughs> nobody in Canada everyone's like, "Uh-uh, we don't want to claim him." Uh-uh. uh-uh, uh-uh. No, he's he's Texas's Ted Cruz. Uh, Ted Cruz picked a fight with Big Bird over the weekend, or or a few days ago, anyway, based on Big Bird getting vaccinated. So so that's that's kind of a big deal. So congratulations to Big Bird.
3: There's a video of Big Bird that was vaccinated back in 1972.
1: So cool. Um, this is uh, Yeah Very cool stuff um, So here's Big Bird Getting vaccinated uh, Can we show this Without getting shut down I don't know If we have to We can say this video courtesy via Twitter it's, it's via Twitter And it's courtesy Of Sesame Street And this is back In the 19th Did you grow up On Sesame Street Oh, you bet, Sam! Sesame Street, like absolutely. You know when it, when when Wyatt turned, I think it was like two for the first time. I went and searched it out and put it on, and, and there's something so like welcoming about that show. Mm. You know, Sesame Street has really been this cultural icon that's allowed kids to talk about things like neurodivergence. It's allowed um, uh, young kids to understand things like vaccines, like uh, gender diversity, Mm -hmm. uh, really, really important conversations at a level that is so well done. You're talking to such young learners. One of the things I've always liked about Sesame Street, I won't say that I uh, recognize this as a child. That's kind of the whole point is that it's getting what I would deem to be uh, pretty important messaging into some households where a child might not otherwise hear it you know you are loved you are valued your body is yours Mm. um you know there you don't keep secrets uh from mom and dad or when an adult you don't know ask you to keep a secret you don't i mean just little things that when you hear from these beloved characters you know it's more likely to, to land with a child Were ernie and bert gay ernie and bert gay you're going to go there. Yeah, why not? It's called Real Talk. Are they? I don't know. What do you mean go there? Is this controversial? I'm just, it's just a question. I'm just curious what you think. I think they've officially said yes, they are. Yeah. I would say, does it matter? Well, 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 that's kind of a weird question because you you can book well, like, oh, Sarah, who's coming up on the show? Well, a bunch of people talk about a bunch of things. Well, does it really matter? Like, I'm just curious Like, because it would be significant if, if, they, if they were intended to be a same-sex couple considering when they debuted right, when they which debuted, sure. would have been one of the earliest representations of uh, a same-sex couple on television probably i would imagine the earliest
3: i love how subversive it is but it's but it, at the same time it's it's uh accessible yeah. and it's non-threatening i mean i think it just proves the point that you can talk to kids about anything but it's just about making sure that it's within it's done in an appropriate
1: way Yeah uh, Sesame Street has clarified Ernie and Bert Are not a couple They're best friends So
3: Whatever Which They could be a couple Sure But Of course they But could. that's why I'm saying Like it doesn't really matter They love each other Either Platonically Or romantically Or both <laughs> yeah. And that is A-okay That's <laughs> yeah, great Yeah
1: great of course it's great. I'm thinking of Seinfeld. That's like one of the that's like one of the best Seinfeld one-liners of all time, right? You know exactly what I'm going to say. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's like one of the greatest lines of all time from Seinfeld because Seinfeld being about nothing is also about everything and almost everybody can relate. Almost everybody can relate. I'm going to get to some emails. I promised I was going to do it yesterday. Emails around drinking and alcohol in the workplace. First, I'm going to get to something, a newspaper column that I think has been under discussed, uh, at least what I'm seeing with regards to political commentary in Western Canada, in particular in Alberta. You knew at some point we'd talk politics today. But first, let me remind you how proud we are to partner with the team at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. I've been talking to you about their raw food and the benefit that our dogs have seen uh, from a diet uh, essentially prescribed. I mean, I'll be careful using the word, but a diet recommended by the team of nutritionists at Grand Dog The supplements are what I want to talk to you. If you go to the Shop Now link at GrandDog.ca, click on supplements. You'll be able to read up on all the different products that people are looking to to improve the quality of life for their beloved dogs. Grand Dog Essentials delivers to your door weekly in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta with the promo code GrandDog. No, the promo code RealTalk. Can you believe all these promo codes? I remember those seriously, though. Because a lot of them are different.
3: I'm just going to go to any and every website and just punch, punch in, in real, real talk. talk.
1: You never know if you might get a deal. <laughs> yeah. 10% off the Symphony, 70 bucks off your power bill. 10% off your first-time order at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. You'll find them at granddog.ca. Also, big shout-out to our friends at Kubi Energy. Uh, we've been telling you, of course, that you can get your free quote at kubienergy.ca. Did you also know that, and this may not surprise you, their team does all the digging when it comes to some of the government programs that are available, the rebates, the subsidies, whether you're commercial, industrial, agricultural, or residential. You don't have to do all the Googling to get into all these Boring ass government websites to find out where you can get your 10 grand. The team at Kubi Energy, with a quick phone call, a quick email, can tell you right now how that solar install might be a little cheaper than you think at kubienergy.ca Boring ass website <laughs> Well you know what I'm talking about I totally do I'm just boring ass website that's a great that was from the script right that was that, definitely that was the, that's the script provided by QB Energy <laughs> they said please ensure to use some profanity in our professional corporate ad read and I said I will guarantee on that I will guarantee delivery on that Just like Kubi Energy guarantees you'll be happy with your solar installation. This is not funny this uh is a (laughs) no but like this is real life you've been parts of conversations right you guys hang out with your friends you know remember when we used to be able to hang out with our friends and go for coffee or sit around a campfire and go from like talking about how you you know you you lost a friend in a car accident and you know you're you're, you've been devastated ever since and then someone says something to lighten the load and then you start burst out laughing and you're laughing and then somebody says something that makes you cry that's kind of like this show and it's real life and uh, there's nothing funny about the fact that Alberta's now former agriculture and forestry minister Devin Dreesen resigned from his position whether that was his call or not doesn't again doesn't really matter does it he's not the minister anymore this after a former staffer who was reportedly involved with him on and off you know in a romantic relationship is that irrelevant Hoyles?
3: no i just to me when people talk about that it's almost like and maybe it's just me having a its twigs for me in that it's like, OK, so that makes it OK if he's making sexually like because there's sexual harassment involved in there. And I'm That's, not
1: there's not been allegations of sexual harassment involving Minister Jason. No? I don't want, to, don't want to clarify that no, there's Just not harassment. Been, uh, that that he was uh, that there was repeated, uh, essentially. I mean, these are my words. Yeah, I, this is not per the court document, but essentially that he was abusing alcohol, drinking to excess, leading to some uh, a, a toxic workplace where okay. some people have reported, including from inside the legislature to this show. In confidence, from verified accounts that there was abusive behavior, uh, but there are no allegations of sexual harassment okay. involving the minister.
3: Okay. I guess what still twigs for me is the idea that like inappropriate behavior, um, whatever it might have been, um, is okay because they were in an intimate relationship. And that just to me is like, that's like, I mean, we are in domestic or family violence month. Yeah. So,
1: I think it's relevant That they were involved In an on again Off again romantic relationship yes, That's a relevant detail
3: I think it's relevant But it does not And I'm not saying That you're saying that <laughs> But I just want to flag it Hoyles It's, it's you twigging are, on me
1: You are the checks and balances And I appreciate you I, I appreciate your perspective Obviously um, I think that we're we're On the same team here the background information is that dreeshan's gone uh but he is i don't want to say political royalty because that's a that's a little much but his dad earl is the member of parliament and uh and um you know for that region uh he's been replaced by the way by nate horner who becomes the third horner to serve as Alberta's agriculture minister, which is really interesting. You want to, Alberta's just political dynasties in a way. Uh, Rachel Notley, Grant Notley, you take a look at all these different ones. There's some interesting storylines. So he's, he's relieved of his duties. He resigns from his position as minister. Um, some people may speculate that perhaps this was to take the heat off the premier, off Jason Kenney. Uh, but, you know, those in the know will tell you that the premier probably did not want to relieve devendration of his position that he sees him as a bit of a loyal soldier in a sense the reason i'm bringing this up is because the red deer advocate the the daily newspaper the daily paper down in red deer yesterday after we were off air so to speak published uh, an op-ed an opinion editorial written by Devon devendration and the headline is more time and freedom to serve Innisfail Sylvan Lake. Now, let me get ahead of what your objection to my comments may be, which is that you're piling on, uh, you won't allow. You won't entitle him to his private life. Uh, you, you know, your 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 glee. You're you're, you're, gleeful, you're, t- you're taking pleasure in somebody else's personal struggle. You're disrespecting the challenges that that people. Uh, you know, who who use alcohol and find that used to be problematic. Uh, because we're not using the word alcoholic anymore, and it's not my place to call Devon an alcoholic. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but people say you're 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 sort of like you know doing this for clicks and ratings. Uh-uh. My initial comment. When we were live on the air and found out that Devin Dreeshan had resigned as minister was that, number one, this is a sad story. Number one, this is not something that that partisans should be celebrating. This is not funny. We're not going to wisecrack about it. But here's the deal. I want to read a bit from this column. Uh, when you've resigned because alcohol has clearly become a problem and you've acknowledged that it's interfering in your service to Albertans, and then a couple of days later, you pan an editorial that is published by the Red Deer Advocate, that simply implies more time and freedom to serve the people. I would like to start by thanking everyone. He writes for the outpouring of support I've received as well as many businesses in the ag and forestry sector. It was an honor to serve as Alberta's ag and forestry minister for two and a half years. I always tried to find a balance of working hard, uh, uh, you know, as a minister, as well as the local MLA, we achieved a lot. He says, and then he goes into this laundry list of achievements a $120 million improvement of Highway 11. I greenlit the expansion of the Red Deer Regional Hospital. We We repealed the NDP's disastrous farm legislation. Like, no mention of what's going on. If there was no context here, if you didn't, for example, listen to Real Talk every day, you might wonder what this is all about. He opens, thank you for all your support. Support for what? Wonders 50 to 60% of the electorate that doesn't necessarily, no offense, know what the word electorate means. They're just going about their business. They've got busy lives. They don't know that Devin Drieschen clearly has an alcohol problem. Used to go shields up, lock his ministry door. You needed a code word to get in. Like it was grade 11, drinking dad's Tito's vodka. I doubled the number of Alberta trade offices. I helped attract 900 million in new value, adding ag, 500 million in forestry, wildfire technology, a billion dollar irrigation, reduced crop insurance, negotiated like what? Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. However, and so I'm reading this and I go, well, here it is. They buried the lead, as you would say in the business. But here it is. With my resignation as minister. No, no, no let me rewind. However, there are weeks when MLA spend 16 to 18 hour days in the building, in the legislature in Edmonton. Spending time away from family, friends in my community takes a toll, especially during COVID. Just ask ICU nurses. With my resignation. That was my edit, by the way. With my resignation as minister, I'm looking forward to having more time to represent my local constituency and the increased freedom I'll have to speak out for them. Politics can be brutal. People don't always debate you on policies. Some make it personal. However, politics can be exciting. Advocating for people, a conservative movement, economic growth, reducing the overreach of government is a passion of mine. I was elected to represent my people. I will continue to do just that period. End. Um... You just resigned from one of the most high profile and important ministries in the province because the premier's office, essentially your government was just sued by a former staffer. And that lawsuit alleges that you're drinking and the culture of alcohol in that building, not just the minister, the former minister was a real problem. There, the word alcohol, drink, substance, dependence interference does not appear in this editorial in this bizarre sort of almost it's clearly a submitted piece and i mean we're talking about it so that's good for the red Your advocate they'll like that they'll get more clicks right now but but not to put this on their editorial team but like what's the cr- protocol what's the criteria for submitting an op-ed maybe i'll submit one in response Because if I'm a voter in that part of central Alberta, I'm looking for some humility, some honesty, some acknowledgement that there's even some element of understanding why MLA Dreschen, you are no longer the ag or forestry minister. Where is the acknowledgement that alcohol was a problem? What does it mean That you're going to take time off. I mean, even the vagueness and the ambiguity around the statement that he was resigning left some people wondering. And again, people not taking gleeful pleasure in this, but people concerned about him, about the ministry, about this government. What is this? Are you going to rehab? And if you're going to rehab, where's the acknowledgement? I mean, what is that? What is that? That doesn't make any sense to me. That left me, that's a disastrous take on this. And what it's going to do right now is have people asking the very fair question: does this guy even understand what the problem was in the first place? We work very long days, 16 to 18 hours. You drunk? Like, is that that to me is, you know, I'm not a, a counselor um i'm not somebody that has lived experience or schooling or anything quite frankly any credentials in this realm but that to me is that's kind of a a form of denial is what that is so we're going to stick on this story i'm not going to stick on Devin dreeshan and 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 continue to hound this guy and, and chase after him and and take pleasure in personal struggle i've got personal struggles of my own we all do i've got vulnerabilities i've let people down in my own personal life sometimes personal things need to be personal sometimes we need to surround ourselves with our support circle our families people that care about us and get well or heal but like what's this that's a guy being like i'm gone from my ministry it's like uh you know i mean uh, you know i'm sorry uh, hockey metaphor but it's like being stripped of the sea it's like they pull the captain's sea off your sweater it's a big deal you're not a minister anymore that's a big deal that's a blow to the ego and, it, and, and now he's just just another MLA. Now, whether they treat him like that or not, I'm sure he still will we'll find favor from the premier. And I wish Devin dreesen well. I wish him good health. I wish him healing if he needs to heal from a reliance or, you know, an an unusual or or dangerous or inappropriate use of alcohol, most especially alcohol in the workplace. But this op ed to me is something that should be of concern to all Albertans, because what it says to me is this guy has no understanding of what the problem was and really has made no commitment to fix it. And so if I'm a voter or a constituent in that part of the province, I'm concerned. I love this email from Robert to talk at Ryan dot com. He says, I caught the end of the Friday show late in the day. And he says, you and Sarah had that exchange. And um, and you were talking about you know, and soliciting emails around alcohol use or alcoholism. He says, I thought I might share a bit of my story and maybe would offer you some insight as to what I observed, Ryan, was you not realizing a privilege you have as it relates to drinking and it's a privilege that not everybody does so robert caught my attention early in the email he says i grew up in northern alberta where i'd say teenage drinking was common and my first time drunk in a bar was at 15 i was a big kid my dad knew all the bar owners nobody asked me questions when the tab was rolling never missed any house parties never went home sober we were the kids putting vodka in our slurpees at lunchtime i wasn't the only one was it really problematic i would say at first he says i'm not proud to admit it but i would drink and drive frequently. Long story short, it came to a head one night when I had a run in with a police officer who gave me a significant break that I will never forget. And it changed the trajectory of my life. My father is an alcoholic who does not drink. My grandfather was an alcoholic. So was my grandma. And they both eventually went on to live mostly sober lives. It goes back many generations. My brother struggled his entire life with it and eventually died of it in 2013. My family and I have had an unhealthy relationship with these substances, and it was a significant contributing factor to my brother's death. He said, uh, if I put myself in your chair, Ryan, and you ask me why I don't drink, those are the boxes that we're unpacking. There's a lot to share. And he, he says, I, you know, I may have the odd glass of wine at a friend's house or a beer on the golf course, but, but since my, late, my incident in my late teens, that was 20 years ago, I've been drunk twice. The truth is, I don't like it anymore, and it scares me. He says, I'm also the person who doesn't or tries not to take pain meds after surgery. I had a a close friend ask me this summer, do you think that if you regularly drank, you'd be an alcoholic? And I said, I think so. Um, I have a healthy respect for not just the substance, but its potential impact. And and I envy those people, Ryan, like you, who who don't have to have these conversations or worries. And as you probably have realized, I'm I'm an open book, but not everybody's like that. Most of the people I know are like you. There's no concern or worry But that comes from a place of privileges. Robert says, I have many privileges, just not this one. The best analogy I can come up with is, is, you know, asking somebody why they don't drink is like asking couples why they don't have kids. He says, I think you'll get the point I'm trying to make. Never ask a couple why they don't have kids or when they're having kids or when they're having their next kid. Keep the question to yourself. Back to Robert's email. He says, I'm certain you meant nothing by it in that casual moment of banter, which, by the way, he says, is my favorite part of Real Talk. But I really felt for Sarah. As I've had those conversations many times, I'm sorry that you're getting dragged into this. No, it's okay. He says, in I'm most here cases, for it. Um, he says I'll accept the drink from people and just leave it half full somewhere. He says, hopefully, me sharing my experience on the show helps you or anybody else understand more potential perspectives on this. I send this because I know Ryan that you care. Have a wonderful weekend. That from Robert. I love that.
3: I love that too. I I think it's really interesting that he did. Uh, Reference the idea of like asking somebody well, Why don't you drink because it's yeah. really Socially acceptable to just be like huh you don't drink Why yeah. is that and it's like d- uh, d- uh, are, are you sure You want to ask that question I mean it's also I mean to asking if, uh, if a couple's going to have when are they going to have kids it's also asking Somebody are you pregnant like you don't Know the That's answer the that is so Just, uh, just don't d- 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 just do don't, not Go there just
1: don't do it
3: The other the other thing is is that half uh, Full drink The number of times I just, my experience is people don't care if like what you're drinking, they just care if you're drinking. Hmm. So always having a drink in my hand of like soda water or something, people are like, okay, cool. You're, you're, you're part of this. You're with us here. Um, That usually just like, yeah, cancels out a lot of the questions. Like, yeah, I got a drink. We're good. Uh, So that's kind of like hot tip from Hoyles.
1: (laughs) Hot tip from Hoyles. That that has kind of a certain Hoyles hot tip. The it's double like a, HT. It's like going to be a new column in Real Talk. Hoyles hot tips. Yeah, probably. Hey, Yeah, I like that. We'll time. have to. Oh, jeez. Did the mic pick that up? No. We're going to. I mean, that, that deserves the attention that it should have.
3: <laughs> I kept my mic off for a reason. Well, it's
1: got to be. It's just going to be a short. It's just going to be a short segment every day.
3: So just the tip.
1: So just the tip. <laughs> Eden Landscaping is bringing outdoor spaces to life. If I know the team at Eden, they're not going to mind that we rolled hot into there. Here's a tip about Eden Landscaping. <laughs> One of the things that you'll find is that You know you can talk to a landscaper or a landscape architect and then they're going to talk to you about finding a contractor and then the contractor is going to find you about somebody to dig the trench to run the gas line who's going to talk to you about the person who's going to build the structure who's going to introduce you to the electrician who's you get how this is going sounds pretty expensive Mike and his team are a one-stop shop. They take you from the conceptual design all the way through to completion and they do not leave. I mean, they'll go home at night so you and your family can have dinner together, but they won't leave until you're satisfied. I asked Mike once what he's most proud of, referrals and return business. He says they've had families through their entire 20 years of operation that have hired them three, four times every time they've moved to a new house to bring that Eden landscaping touch to their dream project. You can check out their portfolio in full at Land- Landscapeedmonton.ca. We also wanted to give a big shout out to our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. They've got those flamethrower burgers going on right now. Somebody sent me an email yesterday to talk or no to Ryan at RyanJesperson.com. If, if you don't want to bug Hoyle's, you can email me directly. If you want to make sure somebody actually sees your email for real, make sure that Hoyles is tagged on it to talk at RyanJesperson.com. But somebody wrote in to 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 challenge me. On this flamethrower burger. They were they were wondering if I was up for the challenge. I said, Well, I'm to have to go see what I'm dealing with first. This is the 100 percent all beef patty with the flamethrower sauce. Any sauce called flamethrower to me is like, this is where you're in the no longer messing around territory. This is when the person behind the counter at Dairy Queen, the friendly associate at Dairy Queen, can say, Sir, what did you expect when we doused this with flamethrower sauce? Plus pepper jack cheese. Jalapeno bacon, tomato, and crisp lettuce served on a warm toasted bun. Why not grab a blizzard while you're at it, including the new sea salt toffee fudge blizzard? Woo! At the Dairy Queens in Nemeo, Palisades, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. Before we go, I have to acknowledge something to the producer of this show. Yesterday, I was a little trepidatious. I was a little I won't say nervous because I, I trusted your direction and I trusted your 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 instincts that it was important that we talk about human virus and HPV and the vaccine and the link to that vaccine and preventing cancer. Mm. And uh, boy, did our uh, two guests. Do I say I should say girl boy is a throwaway. I'm like, boy, oh, gosh. Right. But Girl, those guests, Dr. Fiona Mattitol, uh, and then, of course, um, uh, Amanda Langer, who joined us as well, was, was, uh, in my mind, uh, really impressive from the public health messaging standpoint. Mm -hmm. But did we ever see audience response to that HPV conversation, that panel conversation we had on yesterday's show? If people missed it, they have to check it out.
3: It was incredible. I mean, folks let us know. uh, The one that kind of, like, my eyes popped out of my head was someone wrote to us, I'm one of the parents who has resisted the HPV vax for my kids. They have all their others, but I believe the horror stories about this one. Thanks mm. to Fiona Manitol and Amy. Today, four more kids will be vaxed.
1: That's amazing.
3: Like I I got goosebumps reading that because I was just like that. You know, you talk, I don't know if I want to like say legacy, but when I think about like what does my work do and what does real talk accomplish that right there
1: impacting change yeah yeah and 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 just just real conversation meaningful conversation we promised the amazing audience members that join us every morning that that download our podcast, that share our content that subscribe to us on youtube uh it takes just a second and it means the world to us that rate our content on podcasts provide like spotify and apple podcasts wherever you get your podcasts that support us on patreon that buy our merch uh we make promises to you. We will deliver. You support us. You allow us to do what we do. We're going to keep curious. We will remain perpetually curious and we will be willing to dwell in the gray areas. Sometimes there's black and white. Sometimes, oftentimes, most times it's shades of gray and we'll be there. We promise you that. We make you that commitment thanks for today thanks for joining us thanks for making us a part of your daily routine coming up tomorrow I know that you gave me a well-organized sheet and then I handed it back to you with some notes on it and and now I don't have it and I blew it we're talking about the Coastal Link Pipeline and we're talking about uh, the opioid epidemic on a, in a First Nations community and we've got a uh, trip to the mountains planned with My Jasper Memories presented by Tourism Jasper and a whole lot more plus we'll follow up on the French language debate in the meantime make it a great day friends
2: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles, technical producer, Sam Brooks, managing director, Josh Dunford, account coordinator, Tanya Franklin, merchandise operations, Katie Cook-Chivers, website design, Mike Johnston, voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duveti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harman Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.